welcome to Back in Tunes. We're doing a special tribute to Gary Owens. We're going to watch a couple of his short tunes, Space Ghost and Roger Ramjet. I'm your host, Michael, and my co-host... Of course, Mr. Jacob. Jacob. Well, I don't Mr. in there, just to make it sound, just to make it sound fancy. Yeah, it's Mr. Jacob. <laughs> All right, so oh, yes. um, I actually, that, that theme song is very 70s. Oh, yeah, no, it was ahead of its time, it seemed. Uh, no, like no, that. actually, no, no, <laughs> it was, that's from the 1981 uh tv show the second iteration of space ghost but it, it, it's weird. Uh, it had like it had a star trek feel but you can kind of feel the disco leaking through mm-hmm. <laughs> all right so yeah you know space ghost was pretty hip yeah man he could dig it daddy all right so what we're gonna do is it's gonna be a little bit shorter episode we, we moved to a format where we're doing two cartoons a week and usually that lasts about 45 minutes to an hour uh, this one is going to be really short. Space Ghost was not a full-length cartoon in the beginning. And, um, actually, I'm not even sure when it went into the 1981 series where it was full-length. I think it was still, like, bits and pieces. That's the way Hanna-Barbera worked. They usually fit in two or three cartoons into one half hour. So the Yeah, first... no, they have some specials going on. It's not the first episode, but it's the... We just grabbed the first episode that came up because it doesn't seem to have... Space Ghost is weird, just like his, um... Another character that Gary Owens would do, uh, Blue Falcon, there's no origin story. So it just kind of jumps in, so it's not really necessary to find the first episode. Plus, its history is kind of weird, so we just decided to grab Nightmare Planet. It's up on YouTube for free. Are you ready to go? I am definitely ready. All right, Retro Rockets are go. Here we go. Nightmare Planet. Wait, we don't get it. Oh, no. There's no countdown? Oh. What? Oh, you want to wait? Oh, we're good. We're good. Yeah, I just okay, well, I mean, you know, we're a rocket. We're a rocket. I thought, you know, hey, there's usually a countdown. I mean, oh we can do it really quick. You know what? We should do that. We should add like a theme song at the very beginning. Instead of doing the the cartoon theme song first, we should do our intro, then go into the cartoon. Like retro rockets are go, like in a '50s announcer voice, just like Gary Owens would do. Like, can I push the button this time? Okay, go ahead, push the button. Okay, all right. Hold on, wait. Oh gosh, no, they're so close to the self-destruct button. <gasps> <laughs> Why do they have to look so similar? Who does that? I, I I was lazy. I didn't put a lot of money into it. I apologize. Okay, budgetary reasons, whatever. All right. Well, at least they're written. It's written on there. All right. I'm pushing the button now. All right. And lunch. <laughs> I forgot my snacks. That's a conservatory. Ah, oh, crap. Oh well. We can always eat them when we get. It is if we make it back. I don't know because going to Nightmare Planet, it, I can already tell it doesn't look friendly. No. Alright, so my first introduction to uh, Space Ghost was the 1981 series. It was, I think, combined with Herculoids, if I remember correctly. There was like a, a, there was like a block on ABC, I believe, where it was like Herculoids, uh, Space Ghost, Scooby-Doo, and something else. I can't remember. Maybe it was the Fantastic Four. It was all like Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Oh, wow. Yeah, my first introduction to Space Ghost was uh, late night cartoons like on Cartoon Network. Yeah. They'd have Adult Swim, and it would be Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Yeah, you know, that's probably the most successful uh, <laughs> relaunch of the character and then completely changing how he was set up. And they did that with a couple other cartoons, too. You know, um, uh, Brack, he ended up getting a spinoff from Space Ghost, which that show is hilarious. <laughs> I, I could not get Brack. I was like, what? How's this guy... How was, was this, how was this guy even a villain? I know, I know. It's ridiculous. Because, see, I had... I remember watching Space Ghost, but I didn't remember the villains. And then you watch Space Ghost Coast Coast for so long, and then you go back and see a rerun, and you see Brack as a villain. You're like, wait, what? It's like seeing a 12-year-old, because they play him up as a little kid in his cartoon. Oh, pretty much, yeah. He did. 
it's, uh, that's right. He was like, surrounded by his family that all look alike, and he was like the dumb little child. Oh, hey, look, Space Ghost had a pet monkey. Yeah, if you look, oh, Space Ghost would only ever last a season, but Space Ghost Coast to Coast lasted 10 years. Actually, I should say oh, just 10 gosh. seasons. The, the, the series was broken up quite a bit. Yeah, well, let's, we'll run it off to a decade. Good enough? You know, the weird thing about Space Ghost Coast to Coast, we should watch the show and discuss it sometime, is that the interviews were done way ahead of time and that the questions weren't exactly the same as what would end up on the final episode. And then they would cut in the animation and re-ask the questions in a different way. And sometimes it seemed disjointed and like one of the worst interviews you've ever seen. <laughs> but it was done <laughs> on purpose. I, 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 I kind of remember one with Bobcat Goldthwack uh, on Space Ghost Coast to Coast. And I just, I could not help it. I mean, you know, as a little kid, I loved him, especially after, you know, watching him in a, Oh gosh, one crazy summer. That was one of the first movies I was, I was introduced to yeah. as the Bobcat. But <laughs> just that, just the way he spoke, I could not help it. But you know, laugh. You know, I'm, I'm a little kid. I find almost everything funny. Yeah. All right. So Space Ghost was created by Alex Toth, an amazing artist. I would say Space Ghost is probably his most famous character. Um, he worked for Hanna Barbera pretty heavily. He created Harvey Birdman. Uh, his influences were, you know, of course, in Space Ghost Coast to Coast. I uh, did work for Super Friends, Herculoids, and Birdman. I just said Birdman oh. twice. Whoops. And um, actually, he has a really great book out there. Uh, he died in 2006, but there was a book, I want to say, I got it from Tales from Another Planet years ago. And uh, it had all of his artwork, and it was really, really good stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, your Space Ghost, he kind of looks like a Batman with no ears, though. Well, at least the cow does. Yeah. I mean, he's got that, he also got that perfect chiseled Ben Affleck chin, too. <laughs> I wanted to say, um, about ten years ago, DC Comics put out a special edition of Space Ghost, giving you his origin, because it's never been told. And, you know, the cartoon has always been silly. And, of course, especially Coast to Coast, has been complete nonsense. But what they did was they grounded it in this dark reality. Like, it's almost like a heavy metal comic. You, remember, you know the movie Heavy Metal? Oh, my God, yeah. Okay, so it's kind of in that vein. It's, I mean, it's still PG-13, but it's very dark, very gruesome, and what his origin story is so dark. And uh, Joe Kelly, and one of the greatest artists I've ever seen do a comic, and he rarely ever does one, is Ariel Elavetti, and he, he painted the entire thing. It's not drawn, it's painted. So you're looking oh, at wow. something. Every single picture in this comic looks like it would be the cover of a book, like a classic 70s book. It's, and they only ever did the one miniseries, six issues, and it was really successful, and they never went back, and it's just a shame because it's a great, great story. Oh, gosh, I'd like to see that redone. I want to see, you know, you know, modern-day animators want to tackle an object, you know, something like that. Yeah, if you ever come up here, I still have it. I have all six issues. You should read it. It's, it's amazing. Oh, definitely. Like, hey, speaking of, like, you know, comics and stuff, I actually just got uh, Judge Dredd, uh, volume... Volume five, the complete Judge Dread, Judge Dread file. Nice. You know, it's coming from yeah, from like the very beginning, all the little miniature, you know, weekly comics that would come out in two thousand eighty magazine. Mm-hmm. It was like every little strip, all in like these big collections, and I'm only on five of like twenty, twenty plus, I think. That and I also got Batman Incorporated. Oh, nice. Yeah, I know. I wanted to get, volume two was the one I was really looking forward to because that evidently someone really important does die. So I'm like, okay, I have to look it up now. Okay, so Space Ghost, um, not to cut you off, but kind of, it's a short oh, episode, no. so we should probably get into this. Uh, Space Ghost and Dino Boy was the original 
launch of the character. It was two cartoons in one half hour. Most of them were focused on Space Ghost. And, of course, Gary Owens originated the voice of Space Ghost. And then um, there was probably about 18 to 20 episodes of Dino Boy. It wasn't as successful. Of course, I mean, you probably never even heard of Dino Boy. That's how it's been forgotten. just wasn't as successful. Right. I mean, I know of Dino Mutt and, you know, Space Ghost and... Oh, gosh, who's another Hanna-Barbera superhero? Not Captain Caveman. Well, Birdman. Harvey Birdman. Oh, yeah. Well, Bird... yeah. Harvey Birdman. And that, that was so funny because I, I actually... Uh, what my introduction to Birdman was, you know, staying up late and watching all these, just watching all these old cartoons and Birdman would come on, you know, it was a short that played in between. And that's how I first heard of it. I learned of the original cartoon before Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. Right. Uh, I would say Birdman, Attorney at Law is much more entertaining than the original series. Some, of the, uh, some people hold up Hanna-Barbera on a pedestal, but there's a period where I think it started to fade away in the 70s. I think their last great series was probably Hong Kong Fui, and then it kind of just faded from there. And by the 80s, it was just either regurgitating old ideas or just really, really bad ideas. <laughs> Not as bad as um, Spears, but Hanna-Barbera was kind of faltering. Yeah, but I mean, like, in the, like, you know, during my era, you know, the 90s Cartoon Network era, I mean, they were doing really good, especially, like, with, you know, with Cow and Chicken, Dexter's Lab, you know, Powerpuff Girls and stuff like, you know, Jenny, Jenny Tartakovsky animated cartoons along with uh samurai jack and are, are, the, all, those, um, are all those hanna barbera's i thought uh, they were different studios well yeah no i think cartoon network was like i think owned some distribution rights to like hanna barbera oh yeah and they, 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 they own they own the whole shebang they bought them out years ago yeah and they were trying to bring some stuff back and i thought that was a you know a very successful era. i mean i could i kid you not dexter's lab not only was it like cool and exciting to see this like really brilliant intelligent kid but he can never, he just couldn't, you know, stop his sister at all. Mm-hmm. Like, how is she still able to get into the lab? Like, that was one of the things that just baffled me the most. It's like, come on, it's like, you cannot figure out, you can't build some kind of countermeasure that will just completely draw her attention away. <laughs> um, do you know, you, you ever notice, like, when they have, like, a, a, a gimmick last name or a gimmick first name, and it somehow it ties to the title of the movie, you're like, what? His, he's a cop, and his name happens to be Cuffs. Come on, George Cuffs, what? Um, I thought it was kind of yes. funny that in the cartoon, Space Ghost's name is Tad Ghostel. Really? Ghostel? Have you ever heard that name anywhere <laughs> ever? And then, of course, he becomes Space Ghost. In the comics, they change his name, so it makes a lot more sense. It's, it's, it's just funny when they do that kind of stuff. Um, oh gosh! Yeah. To wrap this up, basically, uh, so Space Ghost, uh, it stuck around. I, I imagine they added some packages of old cartoons. So it was relaunched in '81, and I'm sure the popular Star Trek and Star Wars helped get that relaunched as well. It, it did only last one season, of course. Like we were saying before, Space Ghost Coast to Coast is the longest running of his series. Uh, Gary Owens played him for most of his run until Space Ghost Coast to Coast came out, and then George Lowe came over. Um, I would imagine George Lowe probably had more of an improv kind of... I mean, Gary Owens, uh, he's kind of known for funny stuff. A lot of people know him for laughing. And I think it's because he read the stuff dry. I don't particularly know if he had a sense of humor. Um, but George Lowe had a way of just reinterpreting the whole character to make him really funny. Yeah, he did. I mean, considering, you know, just listening to the old cartoon and then now listening to Coast to Coast, I'm like, okay... I'm more used to Coast to Coast. He definitely did. It was just kind of wacky and silly. Yeah. Just don't... And he would always end up shooting... Oh, God. He would end up shooting Brack. No, not Brack. 
No, no, it was Zorak. <laughs> Zorak, that's what it was, yeah. You'd always just end up shooting Zorak out of nowhere. Always, like, Zorak would still keep coming back. And he'd be like, oh, refreshing, <laughs> oh, that feels so good. And uh, was it Moltar who runs the soundboard and the video? He's like yeah. the AV nerd. <laughs> okay, so our, our next cartoon is Roger Ramjet. Um, actually, I, you know, I wanted to start with Space Ghost. It seems kind of silly, though, considering that Ram, Roger Ramjet was the first cartoon that Gary Owens is like a regular on. But I don't know. I just wanted to go in that order. So I'm just going to do the opening theme real quick. We're going to take a commercial break. What? A commercial break? No way! Yes. Whoa, cool graphics! I know, huh? It's Jemetska. What? You know, Jemetska, designer of t-shirts and other stuff. Oh, rad! Other stuff. Like mugs, art prints, smartphone accessories. Just visit www.jimetsco.com. All right! So our uh, second cartoon is Roger Ramjet. It's probably a little more obscure to people now, but at the time it was a big hit. In fact, I was just looking on Wikipedia. It lasted a lot longer than I ever expected. And now we were discussing off air who created this because it has a very particular look. And um, I'll say there's, there's a reason why a lot of the cartoons in the 60s had a similar look. You really only had two major companies putting out television animation. Uh, one of them is Hanna-Barbera, and they all have a very distinctive look. Um, there's another, it's hard to pick because you're right, when we're discussing off-air, a lot of these shows look like they're from the same guy. You know, Rocky and Bullwinkle, George of the Jungle, the Pink Panther cartoons, um, Roger Ray. Dudley Do-Right. Yeah, Dudley Do-Right. Now, I will say uh, there's a few of those that are from the same creator. Uh, Dudley Do-Right, Rocky and Bullwinkle, uh, George of the Jungle, all from the same guy. And uh, Roger Ramjet doesn't look like he's con- it's connected to anybody. It might be completely independent. Um, oh, wow. But it has a very particular look because something happened in the late 50s. There was a company called UPA, United Productions of America. They're mostly known for creating uh, Magoo and uh, Gerald McBoing Boing. And oh, Magoo, you're tired again. <laughs> um, what they did was they kind of took out all the excess animation Disney was known for going overboard, and they were spending $100,000 or close to it per short. Um, At one point, I was going to write a book on classic animation until I realized after a while that everybody pretty much covered it all, and I'd just be regurgitating other people's facts. Basically, what it is, Disney was the very tip-top. They were doing like $75,000 to $100,000 shorts, and they had so much beauty going on in them. And then Warner Brothers was second. They were doing theirs around fifty to sixty thousand, 
and then everybody else was just way under that. You're talking, uh, Woody Woodpecker, I think, was 25000 an episode, and then you got, like, um, Terry Toons and a couple other low-rent companies doing around fifteen, twenty thousand. You can see because it's very limited animation. There's not a lot going on in the background. But what UPA did was they took the aesthetic, the quality of Warner Brothers and Disney, and they gave it kind of a cleaner, leaner look. Now everybody thinks that UPA did it for a very, very low budget because of the way it was set up. But actually, they were pretty much on par with like thirty, thirty-five thousand dollars. And when they came out, they wiped out everything. They were getting all the awards, the acclaim. They didn't really make a lot of money, though, because they had a rule. Uh, they made no cartoons about animals, no talking animals whatsoever. So, it was, you know, everybody was doing that at the time, and it just kind of blew everybody away that they were doing uh, cartoons that just were so strange and unusual and uh, beyond, like, your typical cartoon. I know. And to think Woody Woodpecker cost that much, I'm like, my gosh, Woody Woodpecker, you know, I didn't think he was so demanding. I thought he was just too crazy to be demanding. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I don't, it's just funny how UPA came in and they were winning all the awards and all these other companies started looking at their artwork and going, what is it they're doing so different? So you'll see Looney Tunes cartoons will um, switch around, I would say probably 58, 59, and you'll start seeing more abstract backgrounds, like especially in the Wile E. Coyote cartoons. Oh, gosh, yes. And, All those uh, different canyons and hills. I'm like, that many cannot exist in one area. Yeah, most <laughs> most people know about Magoo and McBoing Boing. McBoing Boing's not as popular, but he has a cult following. McBoing um, Boing. Probably because of Hellboy. You know, Hellboy, he was he was watching those cartoons, and they kind of had a revival about ten years ago. Oh. Oh, you're right. He would watch that. Even when watching that in the... Uh... The first Guillermo del Toro film. Yeah, he was watching McBoing Boing cartoons. Yeah, so what I what I want to do later is uh, off, you know, later, you know, just you and me, I'm going to send you a link or two to see some of the stuff that won them Oscars and it'll just blow you away with what they were doing so far ahead of everybody else. But what they had done for like the next 20 years is set a trend in television animation because their budgets were extremely low. They were putting out half-hour cartoons for like, just like $5,000. It was ridiculously low, and they had to find a way of doing it efficiently, so they copied this look. And that's why a lot wow. of these cartoons look similar, so it's hard to tell who created what. Oh, my gosh. They weren't, so, they weren't capitalists. They were socialists. <laughs> I wonder why they went down. All right, so we're going to start <laughs> the first cartoon here. Uh, Roger Ramjet is Dr. Ivan Evil Kisser, which you said he loves evil so much he must smooch it. And he just needs to kiss it. I love, love it. Just, just a little smoochy here and there. Of course, there. Of right. course. So, so delicious <laughs> The episode is up on YouTube. Actually, the entire series is up on YouTube. Go and check it out. I still can't believe it lasted so long. Yeah, no, it's uh, submitted by uh, Retro Heroes, and I have to look up this page later because I'm pretty sure I'm going to find a lot of things. Yeah, there's so much. Uh, most... Most of our cartoons so far have been 80s and 90s. I think we've done like one 70s cartoon. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to ignore the classics where, you know, where all this stuff came from in the first place. I can't believe we haven't even done a Looney Tunes or a Disney or Woody Woodpecker yet. So maybe we or should start. Flintstones. Oh, yeah, Flintstones and Jetsons. We're going to do a double pack of that one. Um, yeah, I feel like we should, we should maybe dive back for a little bit and then come back. But the next episode we're going to do, and we've delayed it because of uh, Gary Owen's passing, is uh, its next episode is going to be, what was it, James Bond Jr. and oh. Johnny, Johnny Quest. Well, Johnny Quest is kind of going back. Yes, there is the 90s series, but he did come out of the 60s. 
So I think that's going to be a fun double feature. And it's kind of connected to the fact that, you know, like Kingsman is out right now, so spies and adventure, you know, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right, so the first episode, Dr. Ivan Evilkesser, here we go. But sadly, I think everyone is going to the theaters mainly because of Fifty Shades of Grey, which I will say right now pretty much demeans and infantilizes and infantilizes the female main lead. Did uh, did you and see the box females? Office? The, uh, the box office? Uh, no, I did not. Oh, the, the box office for Kingsman is extremely good. They were not expecting anywhere near. It got thirty-five million over three days, and you know, we, tomorrow's a holiday, so it, I think it's going to rack up at least forty. Hey, tomorrow's a holiday. Is that what's happening tomorrow? Yeah, it's President's Day. Oh, okay. We pro- I don't know, we should be Go. talking about the dates. <laughs> we're already dating this episode. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, now, of course, Roger Ramjet. It's just sung in the style of Yankee Doodle. Yeah. Well, I, I love the fact that he's just one of those classic big chin heroes, and I can see why you thought that Dudley Do Right, uh, the guy who created Dudley Do Right, George the Jungle, also did Roger Ramjet. Their facial features are quite similar. I know. It's like I'm pretty much. It's like looking at George the Jungle in a spacesuit. All right, so Roger Ramjet debuted in 1965. It was not on any network, and it was aired in syndication. And uh, a lot of cartoons back then would go syndication and make it easier to sell because um, they could do in strips. So there's 156 cartoons. Can you believe it lasted that long? It's lasted longer than every single cartoon that we've ever discussed. I think even longer than Scooby-Doo. That's bizarre. I mean, Scooby-Doo's still around. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's some modern, you know takes on it right now i think it's still playing on nickelodeon yeah but i don't think it counts i think it counts as the original run like scooby-doo um, oh, okay i want to say it ended right as the 13 ghosts of scooby-doo was airing after that it's all like reboots or you know some sort of variation with vincent price helping them out you know what kills me is it says here that uh these episodes of roger ramjet were cut down into mini episodes on crackle the cartoon's only six minutes long why cut it why down? would you <laughs> that makes no sense. I mean, oh, well, we just took out all that. Well, you know what? They're, they're 12 seconds. They're 12-second episodes. It, it just, he smiles, and it's over. We run the credits. Oh, God. Well, I mean, I mean, I guess it'd be great if you're going on, like, a two-minute date. Uh, evil kid, gosh, look at him. He looks so evil. He's green. He has pointy ears and a scar on his face. You know, it's funny. So look at here. There's really no history on Wikipedia. I don't know if there's anything else. Um Oh, that's weird. Burt Link. Oh, no, sorry. I read that wrong. Jonathan Winters did a couple of voices on this. Oh, wow. I think. No, you know what? This one's kind of a hard one to discuss because there's not a whole lot of history about it. But while we're here, there was another cartoon that we were going to discuss. Um, and we couldn't really find a decent episode anywhere. Um, I found one like kind of hidden on a website called um, Sometimes Funny or Always Funny. And uh, it's Dino Mutt and Blue Falcon. And he voiced Blue Falcon, which always killed me because he's a, a genius design, but it's a ridiculous cartoon. Yeah, it, it, it. Oh gosh, from what I remember, yeah. I mean, I, I remember thinking it was just the Blue Falcon show. I didn't know it was actually all about Dynamite. Right. Uh, it's weird how time kind of changes that, but um, Dynamite. And I think. It, Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I think I remember Dynamite crossing over with the Super Friends once. You know, there was a dog on there, but I don't believe that it was Dynamite. Uh, it's it, wasn't, so it wasn't Crypto. No, it's been so long since I've seen... I'll look at that up at the end of the episode. Um, so, Dynamite was created by Ruby Spears, 
but it was produced by Hanna-Barbera. Ruby Spears, Joe Ruby and Ken Spears, they started off at Hanna-Barbera and they became the heads of production on certain cartoons. And then in the early 80s, they went off on their own and they did some really, like sometimes awful cartoons. Like they did a whole cartoon based on the Rubik's Cube. Um, and then, they did, then by the time the 90s hit, they just sold their company off and Warner Brothers owns them again. Yeah, I know. Like, like Disney, Warner Brothers has to own everything. So here, uh, Dynamite the Wonder Dog, it was a cartoon, uh, it's kind of confusing because it never really had its own, like, thing, it was always combined with something else, so it started off as a Scooby-Doo Dynamite Hour, and I swear Dynamite was on Scooby-Doo, I I seem to remember, like, uh, there's Scooby, there's so many different cousins towards the end, there's like Scooby-Dee, Scooby-Dums, Scrappy-Doo. Yeah, was Scrappy-Doo really a puppy? Maybe he was, maybe he just had a... You know, land disorder. Maybe he was just a, a midget pup, a midget dog. <laughs> okay, I think this—that's an excessive amount of punching. Um, oh. yeah. You know what's funny is I didn't remember this, but Scrappy or Scooby Doo characters were reoccurring on Dino Mutt. So I don't think Dino Mutt actually oh. showed up in Scooby Doo. They showed up in his cartoon. Now a few years ago, they did a cartoon movie where they brought in Scooby Doo and Dino Mutt and Blue Falcon. And they kind of rebooted the whole concept. Right. Honestly, I, <laughs> I just couldn't help but laugh at that. That's just a funny, funny, funny moment. Where every time he, right before he blasts off, or right before the general says bye, he blasts off and just blows the chicken right in his face. Hmm. <laughs> but no, honestly, I'm surprised this didn't get a movie. This get, It didn't get a movie deal. I mean, Rocky and Bullwinkle did. I said, do right, Android of the Jungle. Yet... I mean, considering, especially after you mentioning how popular it was and how long it lasted, what happened? Well, it's an independent producer. It's not the same company that did Dudley Do-Right. So um, what I'm thinking is uh, maybe it was just lost. You know, these older cartoons, they're kind of hard to find. Uh, You know, it's weird. You say that, you know, that it looks like the guy that did Dudley Do-Right and stuff like that and George of the Jungle. You know, it's funny, his image... Uh, entertainment owns all of those characters. No, they don't. No, yeah. they don't. I'm wrong. No, I'm wrong. Uh, Classic Media owns all of those. Image owns Roger Ramjet. So, it's, yeah, it's still not the same company. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, over, I mean, it, it is a pretty funny and silly cartoon. But I do want to say about Dynamite, I think I remember it did make a bit of a reboot, like when Toonami was coming around in Cartoon Network. Yeah. It, like, there was also this, like, mini... Uh, a digital comic series that you could watch on Cartoon Network along with Ultimate X-Men and all that. And, yeah, there was one episode where Dynamut would, you know, he was mind-controlled and he would, like, he would be, like, turned into this giant, muscular, werewolf-like dog and just attack Blue Falcon. And it, it was to be continued. That's crazy. Um, yeah. You know, it's Blue Falcon showed up in the Harvey Birdman Attorney at Law uh, for, I think, one episode, maybe two episodes, and um, it was a big thing because I think Harvey was going to go to jail. And what happened was Blue Falcon, he's like this smooth, debonair, Antonio Banderas kind of guy. And he comes in and he, so he's like the most perfect lawyer, man, hero ever. And he just makes Harvey Birdman feel like crap nonstop. And if I remember correctly, he was just trying to take over his law firm by setting Harvey up for a crime that he didn't commit. Um, it was a really funny episode. <laughs> I told look it up. Um, yeah, I, do, honestly, I, I do apologize for not remembering. It seems ridiculous now that I see the name. I did just wake up. 
Um, Jay Ward is the creator of Rocky and Bullwinkle and all those characters from that universe. And there's like a bunch, like Go Go Gophers, and uh, there's some guy, this old man who used to do like these really elaborate, over the top uh, stories about his life that were obviously not true. And Dudley Do Right, stuff like that. Misty Pert, Peabody and Sherman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he I did was all right. Speak. No, he, no, no, he did not do Roger Ramjet though. They just look very similar. Oh, okay. Like they're brothers, but nobody knew it. Right. It was, it was kept a secret from them the whole time. Oh. <laughs> but they're cartoons now. Have you seen Mr. Peabody and Sherman yet? Oh, uh, the latest one? Yeah, yeah. No, I've been meaning to. I, I'll probably rent it on Redbox or watch it on uh, Netflix if it's up there. But yeah, I mean, it, it plus, you know, it, 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 it plucks at my tra- the heartstrings of my childhood. Yeah, you know what? We should, do, we should do Rocky and Bullwinkle because that could be a pretty good episode because they always had like four or five cartoons per hour. And we could get a lot oh, of characters work. taken up right there. And then maybe we could do like uh, a George of the Jungle and maybe... Uh, um, Definitely George of the Jungle. George of the Jungle and WD, right? We could do those like a double feature. Oh, yeah. I know. Plus... You know what was funny? Like when the live action movies were done of them, they both were played by Brendan Fraser. Oh yeah, I, I, course, I guess I knew that, but I never really sat down and thought about it. Yeah, but no, like when I was a kid, I mean, I was huge into George of the Jungle. There was like a, I think it came back. It definitely was where they were doing reruns of it, and like a couple of years before the movie came out, and then finally seeing the movie, I well, the thing I didn't see it in theaters because you know my. I just don't know why. I was a little kid. I always wanted to play outside and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, depending on the movie, I'd love to go see it, especially, you know, when Pokemon came out. I didn't get to see that in theaters, sadly. But anyway, yes. so, no, I mean, just finally seeing something like that, like a live-action movie about it, I was just absolutely ecstatic. It was so funny. It was goofy. And it still kind of makes me laugh to this day when watching it. Yes. And Brendan Fraser was in great shape. Yeah, oh, yeah, back then. You know, yeah, we should totally save the rest of this for... We should do that. We should do a whole uh, uh, episode where we just talk about Jay Ward cartoons. Um, so back to Gary Owens. He did just pass away over the weekend. Um, he did, sadly. Yeah, it's, he's not really known for a whole lot of things outside of laughing and the cartoons we just discussed, those three major ones. He did do a ton of voice work, and he would do a lot of cameos and stuff, you know, just like pop up out of nowhere and do a little bit here and there. You know, it's funny is... Um, as I was watching an episode of Blue Falcon Dynamite, there was a commercial for a, uh, an online video game, and who, would you believe that Gary Owens did the voice? It must have been one of his last voiceovers. Uh, which one? I don't even remember the game now. I have to go find it, but it was just I was on this website and I was like, "Whoa, he's what are the chances of him narrating this?" Um, so basically, to give you a kind of rundown. You can look this up on Wikipedia. Uh, he was a scriptwriter for J Ward Productions, which is weird. I mean, it all comes full circle. We're just sitting there talking about his cartoons, but he used to write cartoons for, or write scripts for his company. And uh, he did over 30,000 commercials. 30,000. That's bonkers. Well, I know. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, so and he also just, yeah, he had a long-running syndicated radio show, too. I think a lot of people for, kind of forget about him because a lot of these guys, you know, they just know their voice. They don't know the face. But of of the like celebrity voiceover actors, he was probably one of the bigger ones during the sixties and seventies. I mean, it sounds like it's like kind of like you know Frank Welker, like every like almost every Hanna Barbera cartoon I I listen to, I'd always hear his voice. Yeah, you always hear. It's crazy how much. Uh, one of my favorite guys from that time period, no one really remembers, is Dawes Butler, 
And uh, we should talk about some of his stuff because he was a big um, Hanna-Barbera guy. Well, and then again, I think Hanna-Barbera was always reliant on, like, you know, the voice actors. Plus, they probably had him on a contract, so they'd always go to them for something. Yeah. Um, just to give you a quick rundown, Dawes Butler created the voice of Yogi Bear, Quick Draw McGraw, Snagapuss, and Huckleberry Hound. Just a, that's a small chunk. And those are some big names. Yeah. Hey, boo-boo. Uh-huh. But in this case, I'm boo-boo. Uh-huh. Exit! Stage left! Heaven to Murgatroyd! You do voices so Spectacular, even! Seriously, how do you... You have, like, an ear for voices, which is a weird thing to say. Right. Well, I think... I think what would have to attribute to that would be listening to Monty Python a lot as a kid, and, you know, <laughs> hearing all these different English accents and watching these British comedies. I just wanted to imitate them and wanted to get it right. And, oh, gosh, I think a former co-worker, when she would try to do uh, an English voice, I... I... I, I didn't want to yell at her. I wanted to just punch her right in the mouth. It was awful. Stop. She, was put, awful. she butchered the English language. I, you ever thought she, about doing voice work? Because you do voices all the time on other shows. <laughs> well, that would be pretty fun. I mean, yeah, it would be pretty fun if I can, oh, gosh. get my. Well, I mean, they do open mics. They do open mic nights uh, here in town. So, you know, maybe, hopefully, somebody who does know somebody in voice work or some kind of recording studio you know, because I plan on doing a few impressions. <laughs> well, you know, we've been planning on, we were talking about doing a comedy, like a, a half hour of skits. Just writing up skits and doing silly voices and stuff like that. Or maybe doing, an, maybe we should do an old time radio show. Like a Nick Tracy kind of show. You know, like a detective, 1930s. <laughs> oh, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, if anything, I would like to, that would be pretty fun. Like, if you're going to do a detective show, a radio show, have it to, like, you know, a tribute to Dick Tracy, which I think does need to make a big comeback. Yeah, that and The Shadow. Just as long as Michael Bay doesn't touch it. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Michael Bay. <laughs> It'll be The Rock if it's if Dick Tracy's doing The Rock. And you're like, no, I like Dwayne <laughs> Johnson, but no, he's not Dick Tracy. And then everybody will have CGI faces. They won't have that makeup. Uh, it just all be digital added on. It's like, oh, that's creepy. It'll no, be, we're going traditional. It'll all be Jeff Bridges' face for Tron Legacy. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I think, we've, I think we've spent a lot of the <laughs> spent way more time on this than we should have. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the episodes. You know, sometimes uh, you know, there's like super nerds out there, and I, I've been a super nerd, and you kind of want to be like, hey, stick on the point. That's just not how we work. Our brains don't work like that. We try to give you information, we try to talk about the cartoons, but we segue. Man, do we segue a lot. And we have fun while doing it. I mean, yes, come we on, do. we want people to have as much of a fun conversation as we are. Alright, so this uh, this is a fun episode. I like doing old school cartoons. I used to be hardcore on those kind of t- uh, stuff. Because like a lot of the 90s cartoons, I don't know that much about. And like like I said, I was doing research for a book for a couple of years. So like anything from like the 19... Like, you know, all the way back to Walter Lance... Not Walter Lance. Uh, okay, it's been a while since I did research. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, doing like the very, very early cartoons all the way to about, I don't know, 70s. I kind of stopped there because it kind of... Kind of got kind of weak in the seventies. Like I said, I think the last great cartoon of the seventies was probably uh, uh, Hong Kong Fui. Oh gosh, Hong Kong Fui. Um, who's the? Vo- he also did the voice of Jazz, but I keep forgetting his name. Even though I should know this. Why do we do this? We always put ourselves in these corners where we forget people. Oh, Scatman Crothers. Scatman Crothers. Oh, Scatman Crothers. Wait, wasn't he in The Shining? Or am yes. I thinking of something else? No, no, he's in oh. The Shining. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. He sadly is the one that gets axed. 
by Jack Nicholson. Yeah, so I'll say this. As much as I enjoy, like, G.I. Joe and Transformers, uh, style-wise and budget-wise, there was nothing really going on until around 88 with Mighty Mouse, when it got relaunched with Ralph Bakshi, and then you know, all of a sudden, just all of nowhere, Disney's back, Warner Brothers is doing Animaniacs, and uh, Tiny Toon Adventures, and... Uh, um, then of course Ren Stimpy just really nailed it all home. Oh yeah, and, and Tiny Toon Adventures was a way for people to you know kind of remember Looney Tunes again. And heck, they didn't even have guest appearances on there. They were right. the teachers at Acme University. Huh. Yeah, we, and, should, we should do an Animaniacs uh, Tiny Toon Adventures episode as well. Oh gosh, yes. I'm surprised we haven't done that already. Yeah, I know. And we, then we get I think I want to do an episode a week. You know, we get 52 cartoons going or 52 episodes. That's two cartoons per episode. We can really rip through some stuff, and maybe uh, after that we'll have enough catalog that we can move on to another show for a while and come back to Back in Tunes. Oh, yes. Maybe, you know, the, the general rule for Back in Tunes is that they're probably about 20 years old, but there are some stuff I still want to talk about. I want to talk about the relaunch, uh, you know, of uh, you know, uh, Space Ghost, and I want to talk about the whole Adult Swim. You know, it's been uh, 15 years since Adult, adult Swim started. Uh, you know, Invader Zim. Stuff like that. You know, I want to talk about these stuff. Batman Beyond. Oh, yes. Batman Beyond. That is something I really... I mean, I just finished watching, you know, the last episode recently. And there's even... Actually, I think there's also a Justice League Unlimited episode where it is the future and Terry's, like, full grown up and he breaks into Amanda Waller's house. Hmm. Yeah. I, he's I, trying I, to get... He wants... I never finished Justice League. I, I thought I had, but... Wait, it was Justice League Unlimited? Yeah, I didn't finish that one. I, I think I've seen about the first season of that. All right, so I guess we're at, I said it was going to be a shorter episode, but we're almost as long as the other episodes. Whoops. <laughs> Sorry. All right, so I guess we should wrap it up here and uh, let us know how we're doing. We're on uh, Facebook at Retro Rocket. Let me try that again. <laughs> Retro Rocket Entertainment. And we're also on RetroRocketEntertainment.Weebly.com. There you can find our Google account where you can find all of our podcasts for free. And you can find my old uh, blogs and stuff like that, complete nonsense. <laughs> yes. And if you're looking for a refund in case something goes wrong, tough. You won't get one. Why? Because you didn't put free. any money into it. <laughs> exactly. All right. Have a good night, everybody. All right. Everybody, good night. And be sure to enjoy the Saturday Night Live uh, 40th anniversary tonight. Which you're not. You're supposed to be watching it right now, and I ruined it for you. <laughs> I hope you're DVR. I'm DVR. I'm DVRing it. <laughs> All right. Uh, everybody, have a good night. to Back in Tunes. I'm your host, Michael. I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Jacob. And that Mr. rock and tune that you heard is from Biker Mice from Mars. What were we going to say, Jacob? Oh, I wasn't going to say anything. Not yet. Oh, so. nothing. Okay. Um, so that's 
is actually from the original series. Here's a weird thing, and I'm probably gonna upset a couple of people. I actually forgot that there was a reboot. We talked about this back in August, doing or September, doing an episode of Biker Mice from Mars, and things just happened. We got delayed, so I apologize for teasing people with that like six months ago, and only now uh, finally getting it done. So thank you for holding on. <laughs> but but that reboot actually came out in like 2006. Yeah, I just I forgot. I, I remember when we were talking about it, we uh, I, I saw that on Wikipedia, and I was like, oh, I didn't even know they rebooted the series. And um, in that time, I just had amnesia to the whole thing. So when I was watching the first episode, I <gasps> didn't realize, I was like, why does the animation look kind of like Flash and lots of CGI? This isn't right. I mean, did they really have this kind of style back in 93, and I never noticed it before? <laughs> yes, it was very ahead of its time. It was in the future. <laughs> They went, back, they went to the future, and they discovered it immediately. All right, so this is a double feature. We're also going to be watching Bucky O'Hare, um, which I didn't realize was a cartoon. I played the video game on Nintendo, and I remember the comic book, but I did not realize it was also an animated series. And we usually try to find something good to pair up with, like a double feature. So uh, that seems appropriate. The only other yeah. thing I was thinking is maybe Street Sharks, but it's only because of the motorcycle thing. Oh yeah, Street Sharks would have been awesome to do. I definitely grew up with that. I loved it. I had pretty much so many other toys. I, I lost count. We can do. And we, with, we should do Street Sharks uh, and com- try to find something that good combined with that. Extreme Dinosaurs. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> we'll look it up. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, no. As far as Bucky O'Hare for me, the thing is, I had like a little action figure of it, and I also had the NES game. Okay. Yeah. I, I only, still, I only really like, remember the game. Uh, I saw the comic scene on the shelf, but I never picked it up. I mean, yeah, it looks great. I think it was kind of fun and inventive. I mean, you know, there's never enough rabbit, you know, heroes. I mean, right. yeah, you got like Benjamin Bunny or Rare Rabbit from Disney. And, Crusader but, Rabbit. Yeah, but were any of, and then you got Bugs Bunny and stuff, but like were any of them actually really action stars? No. no not really. Well, I think was, why I remember cool. there being some animated movie when I was a kid called, I think it was called All American Rabbit. It was in theaters only like for like a week, and it had like a rabbit that had superhero powers. I'd look that up. <laughs> All right, so oh, the God. first episode of Biker Mice from Mars is up on YouTube. And uh, basically what we do with the show is we just line up the show nice with a uh, commentary track. So the first episode is Rock and Ride. So if you want to sync it up now, just hit play. Right, right, right now. Yeah, right now. Right, tell me when you're ready. Five. I'm ready. see that. What is the countdown? Five, four, three, two, uh, one. Blast off. Yeah, okay, this, so this looks more my... like 1992, 93 era instead of the other thing, because that was weirding me out. Yeah, and listen to this. Oh, gosh, listen to the soundtrack, though. It's, so, it's awesome. It's very really manly. It's rock and roll. There are, yeah, this is definitely not one of those shows where it was in the middle, where it could be for a boy or a girl. This was definitely created solely for boys. I mean, yeah, and, you know, just so we could, they can hopefully grow up and become more motorcycle enthusiasts. I don't blame him. I mean, shoot, I mean, I think this is one of the reasons why I like Harley's. That and Harley's are just, you know, beautiful machines. All right, so um, this was created by Rick Unger. He became the president of Marvel Productions, which is the animation company, their little division. Uh, we had discussed those earlier when we did the Hulk episodes and the Spider-Man episodes. This is actually not only something that he produced, but it's also something he created. He wasn't at Marvel too long, Um Basically, probably because the whole thing of New World... I think we discussed this before when New World destroyed Marvel Comics. 
by investing. Oh, yeah. yeah, they were like basically screwing up their funds, and Marvel went bankrupt. And uh, this guy was part of the casualties when it came down to shutting down their entertainment division. Ow. Yeah. Dang. Well, honestly, I think they also the co-creator also an artist was. I want to say Jim Hama. I think that was his name. I'd have to look it up. He was, yeah, he was a co-creator. Yeah, I know he was one of the artists and uh, pencilers for the uh, GI Joe comic series. Am I thinking of someone else? Am I thinking of Bucky O'Hare? What do you think of? I think you're thinking of Bucky O'Hare. I am thinking of Bucky O'Hare. I'm I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. You idiot. <laughs> I know, Red. I can't help it. <laughs> All right. So um, this lasted three years, sixty-five episodes, which is kind of strange. Uh, it was syndicated. The typical run for syndicated shows is sixty-five episodes. So I wonder if this actually lasted more than a year, or they just reran the same episodes for three years. The three important beats in life. Brains, bros, and bikes. <laughs> it's a, oh, hey, look, Chicago. That's where they land. Oh, okay. hey, it's your favorite team. The Cubs? Yep. Whee! And Chicago, take the field. Wait. All right. Does it say the Cubs? Yeah. Because it could, the it, Nubs. Who are the Nubs? Oh, basically the Cubs. All right. Well, they had to change Nubs because I guess they couldn't They couldn't get that much right. No. I mean, it's as common as to say stuff about the Cubs. They're not public domain, so you'd, you would have to get the rights. Yeah. But I was like, it's weird how these people just are immediately accepting these alien mice people on motorcycles just thrashing up the field. Right. It's not like the X-Men where even a glimpse of something that looked weird made people freak out. Honestly, I think some people should I, people should welcome this kind of thing. I mean, because that's awesome. And look, he's clearly stopping a mugging. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, oh gosh, I thought he was about to shoot the guy. Here's the weird thing: <laughs> I, I cannot stand rag, uh, rats. I can't stand mice, and uh, so the look of the mice still makes me a little disgusted. But they are heroic, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, I actually had I had to actually figure this guy. I thought he was I think he was my favorite. I thought he was a little more charismatic, kind of an idiot, kind of a goofball. Slips up, but you know. Kind of almost like almost a little bit like a Michelangelo type. Yeah, it, well, you can definitely feel the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle uh, connection here. I could barely get that word out. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. Ooh, I gotta do my. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it looks like it's the same animation studios too. It's not, but it, it definitely shares that style. But it has a heavy, but it does have a metal rock and roll soundtrack. That's one of the things that's very captivating about this. Yeah. I mean, like then what? This is like early '90s, like what '93, '94. '93. So yeah, I think hair metal was dying down and grunge was starting to kick in. Yeah, you know what, 1993 was a really awkward period because a lot of those bands were still around and they were putting out big albums, but they just weren't selling. And then you had grunge, of course, taking over almost immediately. But then you had weird stuff in the middle like Aerosmith and Van Halen. They were hard rock, and for some reason hard rock was accepted and they still sell very, very well. And yeah. you'll see like influences in movies where it's still kind of hair metal-ish. You ever seen the movie Brain Scan? With Eddie Furlong? No, I'll have to look into it. Oh, it's basically he gets a CD-ROM game and the game, uh, game becomes reality. And there's a whole lot of like, wow, this is 1994, 95, and it feels a lot like hair metal. Yeah. Guns N' Roses was still doing good because, you know, they knew how to change formats and, you know. But, however, everything else that was hair metal, like, you know, Motley Crue, Poison, you know, all the ones that looked really, really feminine. Yeah. Yeah, they had to go. Slaughtered, they high-pitched voices. People wanted, like, deeper voices. You know, that's when Metallica yeah, and Megadeth really started to rise. 
we're, we're kind of going off oh, on yeah. a tangent here, but you can see like a lot of the influence in these uh, these cartoons when it comes to certain characters because it's like they're torn between being grunge and hair metal. It was just a it was, it was being there at the time as a teenager. It was a weird period. Yeah, it was. Okay, and here, okay, another cartoon element. Every big, strong, dumb-looking guy has super strength. Which is it's weird. I like just a, want to see a big, dumb guy with uh, weak, weak abs and uh, barely existing arms. Just he happens to be big boned. <laughs> yeah, and why is this guy leaking grease? I have no idea. Like, this there's is just oil coming out of him. That Too is many absolutely potato bizarre. chips. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Who knows what kind of potato chips eat? They were probably genetically modified. Yeah, so uh, here I he goes remember, to save the day, and he, of course, fumbles like an idiot. So I remember watching a couple episodes of this, but I didn't glom onto it very well. Uh, what is it about the show that you connected with? Um, Like I said, I think it was just the whole cool motorcycle rock and roll kind of look. You know, especially, what, you know, grunge and metal being on the rise. You know, like all the cool kids are like it, like... <laughs> Okay, yeah, I thought that was a funny that was a funny line right there. So we could definitely tell that that guy gets angry over anything, the yeah. the robotic arm, which is a pretty cool concept. He's got you know, pretty much a little hand cannon. After I think, who knows? Because later they explain that he uh, that he lost his arm in the war and he had to get it replaced. Yeah, you know, you can tell that they were designed to be toys. There's certain cartoons where the look of them looks like it was obvious that oh well, they were able to manufacture a toy to look like this. So therefore, we have to change the animation. Whereas some of the stuff you'd watch a cartoon and the toys wouldn't exactly line up to what they wanted to be, but at least you know you still had you you probably had better character design. I'm not gonna say Biker Mice from Mars had bad character design, but it's just more than obvious that it was uh, a toy. Yeah, and there's a turtle's joke. Ouch. Yeah, that guy's a little shallow. I can definitely tell he's a shallow. Do you, do you think this had any influence on kids later wanting to ride motorcycles? Well, I mean, it worked for me. <laughs> of course, I had to start on bicycles at first and pedal and couldn't drive until I was at least 16. Oh, and this is back in the day when people would have dangly ear rings. I, I don't know what that trend was about. I never had one. I just had like a little diamond in my ear. But that was oh, the yeah. thing. Like, I think because of uh, Lost Boys, people started wearing dangly earrings. And you're just like, if you get in a fight, you're a tough guy, you get in a fight, that's, that's going to be pulled right off so easily. Oh, I know. Oh, gosh, I think that happened in the uh, movie Airheads. No, it wasn't an earring. It was the guy's nipple ring that got ripped off. Yeah, Chris I think, Farley I think got, you're right. Some, some guy was trying to be, be all tough to Chris Farley, and then Chris Farley just took it. <laughs> he just improvised. <laughs> All right, so yeah. uh, some of the spinoffs that they had from this cartoon, uh, they had the Super Nintendo game, and they also had the Revival game, which was on PS2, which we did not get. It was never released uh, here. The cartoon was made solely for overseas. That's, oh. that's all kind of weird. I, I, I don't understand. Were they really popular overseas, and I didn't know it? I guess, yeah. I mean, it. well, here, I just don't know what they took, what went wrong. I mean, this is where it kind of originated, right? And I thought so. Just yeah, so the cartoon was made for the UK. The toy line was run by an Italian company. And uh, I guess it just took off over in Finland and Australia, just not here. Maybe because the US is too focused on reality shows and just dumbing down teenagers with all their preteen drama right. crap. Well, also. This generation sucks. <laughs> uh, cartoons were in a weird phase when this debuted again is uh you know it was more about like the adult swim and 
and kind of like really cutesy little kid cartoons. Action cartoons were not very popular unless they were revival. So I'm actually kind of surprised this didn't air because it is a revival series. And um, hey, at least the overseas are getting. How come everybody overseas gets the cool thing? Like. Oh. Let's see. Like they have, they have cartoons. They have food, uh, health insurance. <laughs> um, they had Danger Mouse. They had uh, Count Duckula. That too. They also have. Oh gosh, what else do they have? Les Trumps. Yeah, they also have a histor- historic, rich historic uh, culture. You know, they have castles. They have towers. We have a they strong have- history of stealing culture. <laughs> yeah, I know. And if anybody makes a new car, we'll buy it. We won't make our own anymore. Because, you know, some people are just too cheap. And they just want to take over everything. Like this, you know, fat lug here, this corporate mastermind. Oh, my God, I didn't know this. That Grease guy you're talking about is voiced by Brad Garrett from Everyone Else oh, wow. Yeah. Actually, you know what? There's actually a few decent voices in here. Okay, so, of course, Rob Paulson is somehow connected. It seems like almost every cartoon from the 90s has Rob Paulson in it. Uh, Dorian Harewood. Uh, he was kind of a character actor. He's still alive. I, sh- I shouldn't say it in the past sense. Dorian Harewood. Uh, yeah. I know him from Sudden Death. He uh, he was in the Viper TV show, I believe. Uh, oh, wow. I don't know. If you saw his face, you'd, you'd know. And then Ian Ziering from Sharknado and 90210. <laughs> Ian Ziering. I do remember Ian Ziering. Oh, gosh. I remember him all too well. And... Who else do we have? We have W. Morgan Shepard, who did a bunch of stuff like uh, sci-fi-wise. He did Star Trek. He did Hawk the Slayer, which is one of my favorite oh. cheesy sword and sorcery movies. He's a guy that pop up everywhere. He was in um, the Elvira, Mistress of the Dark movie as the villain. Oh, see the villain? Oh, that, that was him. Yeah. Oh, wow. Now, I want to say uh, Dorian Harewood, you said? Right. I think I remember him from uh, Full Metal Jacket. Is he in that? Really? Yeah, he was the one that he got shot up. Let me look. I'm pretty sure that's his name. Yeah, he did. Well, a, of. He did a ton of animation. Um, yeah, you're right. He's eight <laughs> ball, eight ball on Full Metal Jacket. Did you sneeze? Yes, I did. Oh, are you okay? It's out season. Don't worry. Okay, that's good. I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just having fun. <laughs> <laughs> that was another one. Okay, now this is clearly a tribute to Guns N' Roses right here. You can definitely tell as far as the music goes, they were definitely, they were an influence. Oh, well, Guns N' Roses were massive, massive at the time. Of course, they crashed and burned once you heard Chinese democracy in a 15-year delay or so. No, it was like, no, it was longer than that. It was, uh... Our democracy was just... Garbage. It was absolute garbage. And Slash wasn't even involved. They got Buckethead. You know, I have no problem with Buckethead. Uh, you know what? If you listen to the CD, you really can't tell who is involved in it because there is no character. There's no feeling to it. It's just a bunch of process uh, sounds all slapped together. And you're like, are these songs or is this experimenting in the studio? What is this? It's uh, probably the biggest disaster in music history is that CD right there. <laughs> so it's like all the snows, um, African child from Get Under the Greek. Like, worse than apartheid? Oh, it's bad. It's so, so bad. It hurts. It hurts inside. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't listen to it. Yeah, it's, it's just a disaster. And, you know, the thing is that he spent, like, 20-something million just recording it. And he owes so much money to his label. Now, I know that he recorded songs for, what, like, 15 years. And you're telling me that they only had enough for one album? They couldn't find any other stuff to put out? Because I imagine they had probably a couple more albums worth and they get their money back. 
Oh yeah, I know. And I mean, come on, Axel. better. Axel Rose has mental problems, so I don't understand why it is that they just let him go and go and go. He's probably some money maker. He's probably still finding some acts that I don't know of because I don't pay attention to music news because I don't even think there is music news anymore, really. No. Really. no. Well, MTV is. Yeah, I was say, once you stop listening to Kurt Loder, there is no music news. It's just like, ah, it's just random bits on, you know, oh, it's a tweet that's interesting. Well, yeah, a tweet that's interesting, or, you know, let's talk about, you know, Beyonce's hair. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, I like Beyonce, I mean, but, you know, Beck did deserve to win album of the year, even though he was the underdog. Oh, and you think the Illuminati would have helped her. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> I know, all that Illuminati. Oh, they're only, they don't really care for others. All right, so how far ahead of time do you think that this cartoon is set? Um, I don't know. I mean, it could. It had to have been at least, well, at least this part of town looks like, this is like some kind of post-apocalyptic wreck. Yeah, well, and I, the buildings I, look like they're from RoboCop. I, I don't think it's in the far-flung future. I think it's like one of those things that are like tomorrow, you know, just a couple years down the road. Pretty much, yeah. Where, I mean, I'm surprised corporations haven't put, you know, gun turrets on their buildings yet. Yeah. Because it's the rights of Americans. America. Sir. Ooh. Tea Party. <laughs> Libertarian. Idiots. Just idiots. Hey, what's going on, <laughs> who, what's going on with the internet? I don't know. What is, I, I, I mean, feel like all... a moron that I don't understand what net neutrality is because I read about it and some of it sounds good, some of it sounds bad. Some people are like ecstatic about it, and some people are like losing their minds. I, I have no idea what it really means. It's all a government-controlled conspiracy. Yeah. Ah, that's all it is. I just want to take over your mind and let you be mindless slaves. I'm like, well, coming, well, if it's from the right wing, yeah, that's that's where you're right. I mean, and anyone watching Fox News, so gullible to believe anything that those reporters, I say that with quotation marks, reporters say is the truth. Like, did they actually do any work? Any research? Did they actually? No, I mean, if anything, like Rupert Murdoch or Prince, uh, I can't pronounce his name, but he's a middle, he's a Middle Eastern prince. He is one of the co-owners of Fox News. I mean, they just pay, they're just paid to say whatever. Yeah. Anywho, getting well, off topic. Swinging, yeah, back swinging back to topic, I'll try to segue back. Oh, this aired on Fox where I lived. <laughs> Anyways, okay, so you can definitely tell there's. Uh, uh, history with you know this certain mice and this scientist, and now he unveils his newest creation. It's horrifying. Hey. What is that? Yeah. Oh, it's basically Arnold Schwarzenegger, okay. right? Pretty much, yeah. It's a metal version of Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's a Terminator. Nice. The X Terminator. Now, for kind people... of a cool idea. Come on, wouldn't want to fight Terminator. He'd be the cool. He was the coolest villain for a while, and then he became a good guy in part two. Yeah, you know what's funny is looking back on it. The crazed phenomenon that was known as Terminator 2 Judgment Day influenced so many things. And so many jokes. Every show seemed to have a joke about T2. And you're just like, you know, 20 years, what, what are we now, 24 years since that movie? Now it just seems like, what? what's the big deal? But at the time, it was the most groundbreaking thing ever filmed. It's definitely like one of the, it's definitely a sequel that was better than the first one. Like Godfather I 2, don't Dark know about that, man. I still think the first one's the best. Oh, uh, no. I mean, yeah, the first one is great, but the second one, I, that was the one I grew up watching the most, yeah. and it definitely it pretty much ups the ante on everything. 
I know that's what everybody says, but and, somehow making it bigger and bigger and bigger doesn't work for me. I kind of like the smaller, the small budget, uh, and the intimate feel. Oh, and yes, it looks like a Roger Corman movie at some points, but I just loved it. Right. Uh, I wanted to say that part. Okay, he was that villain was easily beaten. He just fell into a hot melting pot of oil, and he didn't even give a thumbs up. I'm like, come on, <laughs> no thumbs up. I mean, come on, even killing Scorpion in Mortal Kombat, you know, Shaolin Monks, he gave a thumbs up when he was being melted into the lava. So basically, this is our version of April O'Neil for this cartoon. Yeah, except, you know, she's a hard-headed mechanic who happens to be a little smarter than, you know, a couple of them. (laughs) And he totally has the hearts for her. He also has the longest tail I've ever seen in my life. Yep, and off they go, riding into the distance, kind of like the old, the old westerns. Do, 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 do. All right, so that was it for Marvel Biker Mice from Mars. We're going to yeah, it was by Marvel Productions. What's that? Yeah, it was by Marvel Productions. It, yeah, it said right at the bottom, <clears throat> right at the uh, end, at the little end credit, right, right before the credits rolled. All right, so we're gonna pause for just a second while we get our second cartoon ready. the theme song to buck you here i actually have to say i enjoyed that theme song more it was good it was kind of fun and entertaining it had like a um a bigger sound the other one's more like straight up rock and roll this is like kind of uh almost like a broadway number <laughs> pretty much yeah can you imagine bucky o'hare going on broadway after this he's had such a huge successful career the kids love it yeah all right so bucky i would i'll do bucky o'hare is kind of forgotten um so my the thing about forgotten cartoons, for some weird reason, for the most part, they're all up on YouTube. I think it's the more popular series that are out on DVD that the companies hit hard on, you know, and, and basically take them off streaming. So, uh, first episode is up on uh, YouTube and VO. Uh, I think VO is a little bit better quality. It's called War of the Warts. Let me know when you're that ready. That does not sound pleasant. I'm ready. All right. And hit play. War of the Warts. Yeah, that does not sound pleasant at all. I mean, who would want warts in the first place? Uh, like, who, uh, what warts would go to war against each other and, you know, be who, would the worst, who the worst wart would be, who would be the most damaging, the most horrifying, most physically altering? That's pretty Just causing complete mayhem? I'm a little, I'm, I'm going to throw up a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm actually hungry. Yeah, gross. <laughs> All right, so I actually quite enjoyed... Fuck um, your hair! Yeah, I actually enjoyed the animation on it. It's really interesting. And pretty cool. 
It's 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 an unusual cartoon. Like I said, I didn't know it was a cartoon because, uh, you know, I I played the video game and everybody's talking about it in high school. I don't know what you know how things are in high school. Like for about five minutes, everybody's talking about a certain thing. Like they'll talk about Battletoads or Bucky O'Hare or something like that. And yeah. So yeah. Well, you for know, me, I, go ahead. Uh, well, for me, I mean, it started off. I remember watching. I vaguely remember it. It's all repressed because you know I was such a tiny little tot time but yeah no i mean it was like a fun you know space adventure it was animals some you know just a little a little transition before getting into the bigger crazier stuff and you know like aliens that i was definitely terrified of yeah i saw that unfortunately for the first time <laughs> um so you know this has a lot of in, uh, like character wise it has a lot in common with star fox obviously it was like four years or so before star fox that's exactly what i was going to mention yeah because that big giant robo toad mouth was pretty much just like Andros. In animation, has a very unique look. I think you know most of the cartoons in the early '90s kind of copied the same look, and there's yeah. something very unusual about how they did this. Ew, or cream. All right, so the comic book that it was based on is just called Bucky O'Hare. It was created by Larry Hama, who is oh, that's what you're talking about earlier. Yeah, Larry Hama designed and uh, basically ran GI Joe for thirty plus years. Everything that the characters had as a backstory, uh, you know, the, the bones to the cartoon series, and definitely the comic book, he he created. Yeah, thanks to that guy. And then Michael Golden is a really great artist. Um, I feel like he did something much bigger than this not that long ago. I have to look that up. Michael Golden. Oh, he created Micronauts, which is also a short-lived toy. Micronauts. It doesn't sound familiar to me. Yeah, it's really short-lived, late 70s. It comes up here and there in the Marvel Universe. It's actually part of the normal Marvel Universe. Uh, other than that, there is his work with G.I. Joe. Uh, he did Rom, which is another toy-based comic book. Uh, Rom is a weird one because it was intended for a cartoon series. It never happened. And okay. I believe it was uh, some weird company, like Romco or something. They wanted a big toy line. And they only ever created one toy. That was Rom, and he's actually pretty hideous looking. Oh, not Romco. It's uh, <laughs> Parker Brothers. Yeah, no, he's a hideous looking toy. Great comic book, though, but the comic book can never be reprinted. And Marvel does not have the rights to the character, even though they did the comic for 75 issues. No one's ever done anything with this character. It was really well written. Wow. I'm surprised. I mean, honestly, yeah, there's, there's also the great... Uh diverse characters. I remember having action figures of Bucky and, of course, the robot sidekick who pretty much just says... And then there's also, you know, the duck who used to be a former space pirate. I keep forgetting his name. <laughs> they just said it. But that voice actor, I, I recognize that voice actor in pretty much almost everything. He was the voice of Wolverine in X-Men Evolution. He was also the voice of Duo Maxwell in Gundam Wing. He's been in so many things. Yeah, actually, let me look. Cause, so the comic book's called Bucky O'Hare, but the cartoon itself is called Bucky O'Hare in the Toad Wars. Not to be confused with Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Uh, the company oh, was course. created... Oh, the company that created it was a French-American company called Sunbow. And we've seen some cartoons from them. Oh, from the French? Oh, they've made some really cool French. They've made some really cool things. You know, the only voice that I recognize here is Scott McNeil. I don't know these other people. That's his name, Scott one, McNeil. One of the voice actors' name is actually Long John Baldry. Long John Baldry. That's crazy. <laughs> his, well, his father must have been a big Robert Louis Stevenson fan. <laughs> You know, yeah. the cartoons, actually, uh, this duck here, he used to be, he's actually supposed to be, like, Irish or Scottish. He's supposed to speak with a Scottish accent, but I guess it decided to turn him a little country. 
Um, so, uh, Scott McNeil, mostly known for doing lots of voices for Beast Wars, but yeah, like you said, he was in Gundam Wing, Full Metal Alchemist, Inuyasha. He did the voice. Oh yeah! Of, wow, Pillsbury Doughboy. Oh, who'd have thought that big? That I'm so used to him being so gruffy and manly, and all of a sudden he's this adorable little thing of dough that you just want to bake and eat. <laughs> <laughs> For the most part, Long John Baldry was a singer. He did some voice work here and there, but he worked with Rod Stewart and Elton John. It's weird. Oh, wow. Oh, he did Dr. Robotnik in the Sonic cartoon. We've been meaning to get to that Sonic cartoon. We should do a whole series of video games. I've been wanting to talk about Zelda and Mario, and, of course, Battletoads was a disaster. Definitely <laughs> definitely Mario and Sonic, but I don't think we should go back to Battletoads. No, never, unless we, do, unless we do a series called Worst Cartoons Ever. And look at it. we got this rampaging baboon, <laughs> pretty much just giving out this big freaking you know <laughs> togo party chant. <laughs> As he's rampaging through the whole thing. All right, I'm trying to look. We know we did Sunbow cartoons already, and I just can't remember what we did because they've been around for a while. Oh, they did GI Joe. That's right. We did GI Joe last summer, and they did Transformers. Uh, was this a Marvel company? Yeah. Okay. See, it was co-produced with Marvel. That's why I knew the name. Yeah. Uh, they did My Little Pony, Visionaries, which you probably don't even know what that is. Uh, the Tick, Conan the Adventurer. But now everything that they did is pretty much licensed out by Sony. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right, here, right here, those. I just love how the villains bench is like, oh, it's a girl. We're relieved. It's like, what? You don't think she's going to beat the crap out of you? Oh, yeah. how sexist. They deserve to get hit. They deserve to get hit and knock the crap out of them. She seems a very strong female character, although, I mean, does she really have to have all that hair? She seems a little excessive. But then, you know, it's a cartoon, and almost cartoons have to go, you know, beyond the realm of reality and physical appearance. Right. Pretty now, much anything can work in a cartoon. Now, this is one of the few it, cartoons that actually had a arc for each season. There was only one season, but the plan was to have an overriding arc for every uh, season. It's kind of sad. I really like the look and the storyline's pretty good. The voice works excellent. It only lasted 13 episodes. And now we're in San Francisco. Okay, so here. Sunbow is the production company. The animation, the reason why it looks so unique is because it was from a company called Acom, which was uh, basically created and developed by Nelson Shin. Nelson Shin is really well known for doing Transformers the movie. But now he primarily focuses on doing The Simpsons. Hey, you know, Simpsons is still going strong. I don't think it. Who knows when it, it when it will end? Yeah, I just wish it was funnier. It's not funny anymore. I know it's almost like almost like Family Guy. It's like they it's like they don't have to try to stay on the air. Just could they, could they try a little bit to be funnier? I mean, I haven't watched it in a couple of years because of the fact that I just I, I don't laugh once. Well, if they do a movie, then yeah, they're gonna have to be because the, the seeing the first movie, I if it wasn't for the if it, the name if it wasn't Simpsons, if it was another animated movie, it would have been terrible. It would have bombed miserably. Yeah, I actually really really enjoy the movie. I don't know if you mean the cartoon was terrible or the fact that it just would have bombed. But did you like the movie or no? Well, there were some parts. I mean, it was entertaining. It was entertaining. <laughs> and I remember that with just this one scene. Um, oh gosh, I keep forgetting his name, but he was a. Uh, he played. Uh, you mean Albert Brooks? He plays uh, the villain. Yeah, Albert Brooks. Yeah, Albert Brooks. That's who it was. Albert Brooks. He's uh, you know he's just been notified. He's looking. Uh, he has binoculars. He's looking far away to see if anybody's going to try and, uh, you know, 
sabotage the dome, and then he gets notified that the Simpsons escaped. Then he throws the Thraxoids at the dome, and it bounces back and hits him in the face. <laughs> All right, so this comic was an independent comic. It wasn't from Marvel oh. or DC. It was created by... Uh, uh, who were we talking about earlier? I had one of these moments where my brain was lined up and then it just kind of ditched. Oh, yeah, Larry uh, Hill and Michael Larry, Bloom. And it was done for Continuity Comics. Continuity was a very small label. I don't really even remember anything they had that was worth talking about. But uh, they, they first uh, were published by Pacific Comics, another short-lived company. The independent comic books during the 80s was a really rough road. Unless you had something that really caught on, you know, like ElfQuest or something like that, people did not care, and your comic was only around for a few years, and then your company went defunct. Yeah. I know, plus, you know, independent labels, like I said, it's just kind of hard to go against a certain competition like Marvel or DC, who own pretty much so many different branches. I mean, Dark Horse, I think, is it owned by Marvel now? No, Dark Horse is always independent. Dark Horse? Okay, good. Yeah. And in fact, they're not too far from where I used to live. They're a, Vertigo. Or, yeah, they're an Orgo, uh, Oregonian company. Okay. Uh, I want to say Vertigo. I think that was purchased by DC. Yo, no, Vertigo was always part of DC. It was just their mature line they launched in the 80s. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, now I remember. Yeah, it was Vertigo. And they're the ones who've done, you know, uh, like John Con- like Constantine, Hellblazer. Right. And yeah. iZombie. Yeah, cont- uh, see, so Continuity Comics, I'm looking, the longest-running series they ever had was called Armor, which lasted, like, 19 issues. That's it. That's the longest-running series they had. That is rough. That's worse than Now Comics, which is notorious for being a disaster. Um, so, now Comics. Yeah, so the comic was created by them. They turned it to the series. Uh, the, you know, the series only lasted 13 episodes. They had one line of action figures. And then the, I think the video game was more well-known. The video games seemed to sell well. It was designed by a decent company. During the 80s and 90s, most com- uh, video games based on pre-existing material, like licensed stuff, were awful. Just god-awful crap. But, you know, and it's usually ju- designed by LJN or some other low-rent company. But Konami, you know, they were a really good company, and uh, they designed this for the Nintendo. Oh, yeah, no, Konami, yeah, they were... No, they are. They were great. They made lots, plenty of great games. They still have the Castlevania franchise going Sorry about that. I don't know what just happened. Oh, did you pause it? No, we're good. Why? What's up? Okay, cool. Sorry, someone was trying to call me. Oh, I didn't even notice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so for the but most no, Konami, part... They, yeah, they... Go ahead. Yeah, they're still, they're still making big names. And I think they also had... I think for a while before they were the ones working on Metal Gear Solid. I have to, Oh, gosh. I can only remember Castlevania because that was the one I was... So fixated on for yeah, the longest I'm while. Looking now. It's funny. Sometimes you know, and then you don't know. It's like, oh, yeah, I they know what they Bucky. make. And then someone goes, well, what do they make? And you're like, um. Bucky uh, O'Hare did kind of remind me of, you know, it did kind of remind me of Mega Man. Yeah, you know what? It's actually referred to as their version of Mega Man. Mega Man was but, torture. But, you know, Mega Man was always fun, too, because, you know, it's, it's Mega Man. Yeah, I'm not, good at, I'm not good at Mega Man whatsoever. I love the idea and concept, but I get killed nonstop. It's one of the hardest games I've ever played. Mega Man X, for me, was a tough one. I, now it's like, you know, Mega Man in, like, way future. Yeah. Like, hundreds and hundreds of years later, and, you know, there's this huge... I think Part 4 was, I think, was this, a huge turning point for, you know, accepting Reploids into human society, seeing them as equals. Yeah. And then there were some Mavericks that... Oh gosh, I'm sorry. This 
That that's disgusting. The fly loaf. <laughs> um, I got distracted. And if you are a fan of Mega Man, uh, just to let you know that all of our Back in Tunes episodes are up at RetroRocketEntertainment.libsyn.com. We're also on Facebook, RetroRocketEntertainment.weebly.com, and we've done like uh, GI Joe, Transformers, Mega Man. Uh, pretty much any cartoon you can think of that was really popular. Now we're kind of getting to the, like the cult series. There's some stuff we already hit that was kind of cult, like Sky Surfers. I never thought there'd be an audience for Sky Surfers, and I apologize for ever doubting you. <laughs> All right, yeah, so no, plus I thought. Go ahead. So personally, for me, I think the Mega Man cartoon was really awesome. That was the canon I was going off of. Yeah, it was really good, and like I, I think we should go with video game stuff for a while. You know, there was the Dragon's Lair cartoon, Space Ace, uh, Sonic. Uh, I'm trying yes, to think of other classic pole position. Uh, there, there was the Pac-Man series. There was, there was a game, um, you know, there was a series. I can't remember what it's called all of a sudden. It, it was a bunch of them, like Frogger and Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr. and uh, Qbert. They were all in one cartoon. I remember Donkey Kong. Uh, Captain N? It was Captain well, N. We did Captain N last year. Yeah. And then uh, the... You know what? There's two Donkey Kong. There's Diddy Kong Adventures or something like that. I remember. I never watched it. I don't know, but I remember like a 3D animated. Uh, yeah, no, Donkey the one I'm talking about is traditional hand animation. I have to look into it. I don't remember. I'll, I'll get you the title. I'll look it up. Uh, back to the Konami I do remember thing. Super Mario Brothers with Luel Bono. Right. Uh, the Konami series that are most popular, of course, you said Castlevania. There's Silent Hill. There's Contra. Metal Gear. Uh, I don't know what. I was right. Uh, they do a lot of those music ones, like Dance Dance Revolution, Beat Mania, Drum Mania, uh, Gradius, which I played like crazy. They're really known for like shoot 'em ups. Everybody. So, yeah, no, and pretty much that was a huge company, and you know, for them to take on Bucky O'Hare was, I think, pretty fun. You know what? I'm looking at some of the titles that they did, and they were really hard games, but I remember them being well received. They did Batman the Animated Series, uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle series. Of course, those are awesome. I prefer the arcade. Oh my god, yes. You remember the arcade version, right? Yes. Oh yeah. gosh, I love that. They did that in those. Simpsons, and both of those are really awesome. Actually, um, we were at a, this uh, pizza place in uh, UC Davis, uh, not not UC Davis, but Davis in general. Right. And they actually still had a Ninja Turtles arcade game. Yeah, I found one. And... I found the Simpsons one down in Vegas. Oh wow! I like playing the Spider-Man one where you're Hawkeye and Spider-Man. You take, you know, you got the Jump across buildings and take on Venom, the one that looked. Was that was that the Carnage game? No. Hmm. It wasn't that. Maximum Carnage was. Oh. Bruce just. I guess he just died, but he had be, attained oneness with the universe, is their term in this cartoon. Yeah, so in the you comic know, book, his character does die, but in the cartoon, he comes back. He got go some sort of temporal space thing. I don't know. Yeah, so. Yeah, they pretty much travel to different universes and galaxies. Wow. I just can't believe how much action there is in this. I mean, this must have cost quite a bit to do because cartoons back then were usually kind of stilted, you know, kind of uh, slow and there wasn't a ton of action. But, man, they just keep going and going and going with this stuff. Yeah, I know. And then this little whiz kid, you know, decided to create one and that's how he gets involved. Yeah, you know, I was actually confused as to how he was involved. I saw him pop up, and I'm like, what does he have to do with the rest of what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. And wasn't Bucky's eyes different earlier? I could have swore that his eyes were all like, they looked like space. Like, you could see space in his eyes. Am I wrong? I'm sorry, what? 
I, I when I was looking at Bucky earlier, I could have swore that when you look at his eyes, it looked like you were looking into space, like you could see the stars in his eyes. Yeah, at the in, yeah the intro, yeah. Okay. He's flying through, going through the stars, fighting evil toads. Must be so basically, to I, do that. I think introducing also like a you know a child character, it's for you know, so the kids have someone to relate to. Right, and more accessible. He's the blank. You know, a lot of these movies and cartoons pick someone who's like us. Usually not a strong personality. That way we can feel like we're part of it by going through him. And there was a Star Wars reference right now. He thought the flashlight was a lightsaber. (laughs) Gosh, that duck is ready to just shoot anyone. My gosh, he's just a little extreme. Then again, he was like, but, you know, it's good to have a gunslinger around, especially when, you know, talking fails. It's hard not to notice the daffy Bugs Bunny quality here, just like an alternate universe version of them. Yeah. And it's good to have a nice talking robot sidekick, too. Kind of like Who doesn't 3PO. love a talking robot? Yeah. I know, but especially one that always says, Calamity and woe, whenever something bad happens. <laughs> Calamity and woe! Calamity and woe! It's like, oh, gosh. I mean, honestly, if they shot him just because he, if he wouldn't shut up, do you think they'd feel sad or it'd be like, oh, whatever, he's a robot, he can be repaired? Yeah, probably just, Unless oh, they have we'll emotions. fix him later. We're good. Yeah. That little boy looks a lot like Peter Billingsley from... A Christmas story. Or Jonathan Lipnicky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, the thing is, oh, gosh, Jonathan Lipnicky. Speaking of that guy, he's uh, training to, MMA, to be an MMA fighter. Yeah, I saw. He's, like, muscle-bound. Still really short, though. Oh, I know. He's... Oh, speaking of MMA fighting, you remember uh, Jason David Frank, the Green Ranger from Power Rangers? Right. He, uh, his debut in MMA fighting, he won. Isn't he kind of old? I guess. He doesn't look that old. He looks great for his age. He's huh. still ripped and he's got tattoos all of a sudden. Yeah, I'm just curious because it seemed like he was older than me. And I'm not getting my, <laughs> I'm not putting my butt out there to get beat up. And I don't care what the money prize is. Yeah, I mean, plus, you know, this is MMA fighting. This is different from boxing. It's more violent, more, it's it's just more intense. Yeah. That, oh, speaking of MMA, oh, God, Ronda Rousey's going to be fighting. And she's, oh, she is brutal. She is a great fighter. I don't watch MMA, so it's, it's hard for me to... If they've been in a movie, I'll know who they are. <laughs> right. But anyway, so yeah, it's, this kid's brought along as the, as the replacement mechanic now that Bruce has attained uh, one singularity with the universe. Where are you at in the cartoon? Because I think I'm ahead of you somehow. Uh, well, they just fixed the ship. They turned on the uh, hyperdrive accelerator, and they warped. Oh, I am ahead of you. Whoops. I see a yeah, purple, at, I'm at a point where there's a purple alligator talking and Oh yeah, there's a preview of the next episode. Dude, if I was a kid, I would be more than happy to join. I'd be like, that's awesome, that's <laughs> cool. But if you were an adult, you'd be a little skeptic. It's like, okay, I could die. I mean, I kinda have to grasp the concept of reality here. I can be shot and killed by a, a single laser blast. You're right. Well, your kid, you you're either completely terrified of everything on the planet like I was, or you have no sense of <laughs> Oh, it's life and death. It's it's an actual thing. I should be a little more concerned. Honestly, no. At this point, I wouldn't. I'd be like, okay, hey, yeah, sure, I'll go. I don't want to be on Earth anymore. I don't want to be associated with these people. Earth is the best. Especially when you have politicians just bring a snowball to Congress and be like, look, see, global warming's not real. There's still snow. I'm like, okay, and I have this ham sandwich with me. That doesn't mean, you know, world hunger's. You know, not real either. Plus, you're in D.C., plus, which is right by Boston, near New York, where there's a huge blizzard and snowstorm that, that went on. Ugh. So, um, my episode's done already. Are you done? Yep. 
Okay, I was curious because at the end of mine it says something about samurai pizza cats. <laughs> that was ridiculous. I, I should do that one with Ronin Warriors. Ronin Warriors? All yeah. right. Okay, so everybody, if you enjoy the show, let us know. Uh, we're always taking uh, ideas for episodes. We're doing double features now, so just give us one. Or if you have a good pairing, you know, we can do that. Uh, actually, just let us know how we're doing. Sometimes we're like in a void. We get lots and lots of downloads, but no one ever actually says anything about the show. So we're kind of confused if we're like doing great, you know, something you like, what you don't like. Um, I think that's it for me. Yeah, if, if, any, if they don't like us, I think it'd be my fault because I'm the co-host. Yeah. Nobody likes the co-host. Nobody cares for the co-host. Yeah, you're basically like, my Yoko. <laughs> you're my, uh, prefer, you're, my, you're my oats. You're my oats to my haul. Yeah, pretty much. Nobody cares about oats. <laughs> Nobody ever talks about oats. All right, everybody. I'm signing off. Have a good night. All right. Have goodbye, everybody. Namaste and good luck. Uh, and be excellent to each other. was that very intense very often just like i remember it wow that was a full orchestra not a lot of cartoons had that kind of sound no 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 not at all especially like cartoons of this caliber yeah okay so before we get too far in we should probably say this is back in tunes i'm your host michael and his partner in crime, Jacob. I would say minion, but that's very derogatory. <laughs> it is. And that would mean I'm a slave and I don't get paid. Plus, you kind of need to be in the minion union. They have rules. You have to pay your fees. It's it's a pain. Yeah. All right. I'm not a pro-union guy. <laughs> so we just hit our one-year anniversary. 100 episodes have passed. And now it's on to bigger and brighter things. So we figured it's time to pick a really classic cartoon. We have actually been ignoring classic cartoons for the most part. The oldest cartoon we ever did was Scooby-Doo, and you weren't even here for that episode. No. no. I could have brought in a bunch of Scooby Snacks. We could have been eating Scooby Snacks along with Scooby and Shaggy. Well, it's not like we can only do one episode. And in fact, we didn't even cover the classic Scooby-Doo. What we did was we covered the last of the original series was the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. A series that neither one of us really watched a whole lot of at the time. I should say my host at the time was Tony Tran. And we were curious about the history of the show because it was so maligned. In fact, I kind of enjoyed it. But you know what? We can still cover Scooby-Doo for uh, uh, this coming Halloween. Oh, yeah. That's right. We could. We could also do that. And, um, oh, gosh, what's another good Halloween cartoon that I wanted to discuss? Well, we didn't do Beetlejuice, remember? We talked about doing Beetlejuice. We never got around to it. Oh, you're right. And, you know, we're doing two episodes per show now, and um, there was a ripoff 
Some people say it's not a ripoff, but all I see is just the glorious oozing mounds of ripoff is uh, Goober and the Ghost Chasers. It's just it's almost <laughs> the same exact thing. It was a dog and a mystery gang, and they're searching after ghosts. And his name's Goober. Goober and the Ghost Chasers, yeah. McGruber. <laughs> and uh, there's the original Ghostbusters. Uh, let's just say this. Right now, uh, like I said, it was the one-year anniversary. Our very first episode of Back in Tunes was the real Ghostbusters. We did that in honor of Harold Ramis passing. <sighs> Can you believe it's been a year? Yeah. We've been hustling yeah, and bustling this show. Gosh, it just seems so long ago. All right, so yes, this episode, yes. yeah, so this episode we're going to be discussing Johnny Quest and all three, actually technically four of its iterations. And to back it up, we're doing another show that kind of has the same feel, except I think of lesser quality was James Bond Jr. Well, it came out in the eighties, right? So yeah, maybe. No, it was ninety-one. Oh, what? Yeah. All right, so oh, okay. you know, we just played the Johnny Quest intro for the nineteen nineties show. I'm curious. I haven't watched the original show in a while. I want to hear the intro for that. See how they balanced out. So I'm gonna play. Yeah, that let's do. Right I just ruined it. <laughs> I just ruined it so bad. <laughs> oh. Right. Well, you can tell. All right, let me, you know what, should we bother again? I embarrassed myself a little bit there. All right, let's try again. I apologize, everybody. intro was in a different language <laughs> all right so i guess we got the gist of it i should probably stop it there um you know i like i like the newer one better it yeah. feels like a movie um you know of course there is a difference between decades how music changes that obviously reeks of the 60s uh though surprisingly for a cartoon it did have a full orchestra just i just didn't have the same kind of feel as that newer song uh, the newer theme oh yeah no plus i mean for me it was just pretty intense and just the opening sequence when it's just going through you know the whole little cyber world of it and showing all the different screens and little glimpses from like um episodes that are going to air eventually because <clears throat> it was just awe-inspiring it's one big joyride yeah and you know it's one of the very first cartoons to use digital effects i mean i think there's a couple before that but this is where it like really became part of the show oh yeah definitely all right, so uh, we actually grabbed an episode of The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest. We just wanted to kind of uh, discuss, I don't know, uh, of the three series, I know the original is canon for everybody, and that's the one they usually stick to, but um, I think this is a better show. I think The Real Adventures is a better show. Oh, yeah, I agree. And you don't have... Uh, and Yeah, I remember watching the original 
before watching this one. And I do remember Haji saying Seem Seem Salabim pretty much every 10 seconds because they would always get into trouble and they would always get them out of it. Yeah. Like, um, Haji, yeah why couldn't Haji use that to just take down the enemies? Uh, huh. Is that not how it works? Yeah. Um, so what we do on this show, if you've never heard an episode and uh, if you're new to the show, oh my God, do you have a huge catalog of episodes to dig into? <laughs> Check us out at Rocket Entertainment on Facebook. Our entire catalog is up on retrorocketentertainment.weebly.com. You can just find us, like, click on the Google account, and you can find it there, the Libsyn account. And you can play it on iTunes. Uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of places. Stitcher. And um, we're going to go up on high iHeartRadio soon. Um, but basically what we do is we watch an episode of the show, preferably the first episode. Sometimes it doesn't work out. So we found an episode. You found yours on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. I found mine up on Daily Motion. The episode we're going to grab is Escape to Quest World. So if you want to go ahead and link up now, pause us until you find it, of course, and press play now. I honestly think that uh, Escape to Quest World I thought was more of an introduction, <clears throat> you know, than than I think the previous episode, which was like uh, sails, sail into the storm or deadly storm, something you, about pirates. You I just can't did, remember. Yeah, you told me a second ago, and I, I, I forgot too. <laughs> yeah, so Johnny Quest was created. I, I feel like we should have done this episode last year because it's the it was, last year was the 50th anniversary. So I'm kind of bummed we uh, didn't get around to it. Well, we're a little late with the anniversary, but hey, it's better late than never. So you know, yeah. I mean, Hanna Barbera had its 50th anniversary, and this is of course another Hanna Barbera cartoon. It seems like they were trying to do like this spy tactical espionage introduction to kids. Yeah, I mean, well, it was a big. Well, for the most part, cartoons back then uh, were all about animals. They rarely ever did anything with humans. I mean, UPA stuck to the rule of no talking animals. But nobody really focused on humans, and nor did they do serious. Like, especially because this is an action show. So it's kind of groundbreaking at the time. And in fact, the tone is even more mature than anything else. You know, a lot of those action shows, they kind of had either a silly tone or there was no danger. There was a lot of mood and atmosphere going on in the original Johnny Quest. And, yes. you know, especially in the design work, I just absolutely love looking at it because, yes, the, the animation was rather limited, but it had so much atmosphere to it that it kind of made up for the fact that it was a little stilted. Right, yeah. But also, I think, I mean... Plus, making the title character a kid, I think, would appeal to a, the younger audience, you know, even more. Yeah. And it, and it seems to have worked. And the, and the cool then, thing is, this cartoon actually aired in prime time, and you had Dr. Benton Quest and Race Banyan. Is it Bannon or Banyan? I think I've been saying it wrong this whole uh, time. I think it's Bannon. It's Bannon. Okay. So those were the access point for grown-ups to watch the show with their kids. So, besides the fact that it was animated, it still had bigger ideas and more going on. Olive Garden's first ever... What the hooey? Was that you? No. Really? Sorry about that audio glitch there, people. I don't know what that was. Uh, We we just literally just talked about audio glitches not being in the episode. But luckily, we have an editor now that can kind of take out these things for us. And I don't even know what I'm talking about now, because then they'll take it out. And then we'll be talking about it. We're like, what are you doing? (laughs) All right. So, yeah. We were talking... Johnny Quest... For viewers who just came late to the show, <laughs> yeah, this show aired in prime time. It only lasted for one year. For some reason, I thought it lasted a, a lot, lot longer. They must have just rerun it to death. I know. I I remember watching it so many times. It was on pretty much for an entire year. Then a couple years after that, I thought, 
I mean, I know they changed voice actors. So I realized it was no longer J.D. Roth, who played Johnny Quest, who and Robert Patrick, who was the voice of Roy, uh, Roy uh, Race Bannon. <clears throat> I was like, they were no longer the voices. I guess some kind of contract let out, and they decided to hire new actors. Well, that, and there's a but, long gap between... Wait, are you talking between... Which show are you talking between? The New Adventures and The Real Adventures? Yeah, The Real Adventures, and then to New Adventures. Okay. I thought it was yeah. all the same. No, no, no. Uh, see, here, there's the 64-65 series, the original season. That got rerun endlessly for 20 years. And then in 1986, they decided to add some new episodes and mix them in with the old episodes. So those were called the New Adventures. And I believe that only lasted one season as well. Uh, Hanna-Barbera did a whole package of shows called The Fantastic World of Hanna-Barbera. And in fact, I think there was another show that we talked about recently... It might have been Space Ghost. We did last week, and I think that's one of those packages they put together with like it was a, a connection of old shows and recent shows, and they would just put them all together. Well, I think the new adventures of Johnny Quest is one of the real like, well, this is a brand new thing we're doing. We're not rerunning anything. We're just going to make a new cartoon. We're going to air it with other stuff. They did the same thing with Jetsons. Oh, I was deceived as a child. <laughs> So yes, uh, the uh, original episodes were edited for content because, well not just content, but time changes. You know, episodes used to be really, really long back in the day. They used to be 25 minutes, or an hour-long show would be 50 minutes. Well now, uh, the hour-long shows are only 40 minutes, and uh, you know, the half-hour shows are at best 20 minutes, because they need to make up for all the advertising. Mm-hmm. Right. But as far as, I think, like, because I'm used to, you know, right now, these these episodes right here, Real Adventures of Johnny Quest, where Ace looks, a, you know, Ace looks a little bit younger, but he still has white hair, and is voiced by Robert Patrick, along with J.D. Roth playing the title role. And I think <clears throat> from then on, that that was the one I was used to. Then I thought New Adventures, but was the one with you know Quentin Flynn being the voice of uh, Johnny Quest. I thought those were the, like the newer episodes. It's a little bit of a mess, but basically because they aired them concurrently with the 1986 series, The New Adventures, it kind of gets intermixed. Now, The Real Adventure of Johnny Quest came years later and has a whole different feel. That's the one that's all in the cyber world. That's the one we're watching right now. That's probably the one oh, okay. you grew up with. Oh, yeah. Now, there was a couple oh, of movies that fit in between the two, but they're really not canon. I don't think they're part of the original storyline. So, The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest is, of course, their way to update the thing. You know, the old show probably didn't age very well. Uh, having Haji... The way he used to be probably wasn't with the times at all. So, and very racist. Yeah, and doing something <laughs> like the new adventure or the real adventures was a way to make it appealing to new audiences too, because the cyber world, of course, was just becoming a new thing that people were talking about. I mean, at the time this came out, the internet wasn't even a household word. We had no idea what they're talking about. CGI was just starting to become a normal thing in movies. Now, before that, oh, it, was yeah, just, no. it was just Tron and Last Starfighter, and that was about it. Um, and Lawnmower Man. Right. And Lawnmower Man came out, I think, the year prior. No, no, yeah, I'm I wrong. I, why did I, think, I thought The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest was from 1993. I am way off. Uh, 96. Yeah, it was 1996 to 97, and it lasted uh, 52 episodes. Now, the show kind of changed along the way. The first season is all the cyber world. The second season... They go back to the old look, which is a weird choice to make because unless it was insanely unpopular to be in the cyber world, I can't see why they went back to the old way. It doesn't make sense to me. Oh, no. I mean, if anything, I mean, just, you know, 
I thought the cyber world was the new thing, like going into the future, you know, cyberspace. That's where the real new frontier is, other than space. Yeah. But that was already covered in Star Trek. <laughs> Plus, it was it was, it was kind of, you know, pertaining to the computer age. So they are trying to keep up with the times, and I think it was working re really well. Yeah, it just uh, it doesn't make any sense, unless it wasn't popular, and I'm wrong. But yeah, so the second season is all old school style, or at least set in modern times. Um, I don't think I ever watched it past the cyber world. I remember catching it on TBS, but then after that, I just kind of moved on. And, you know, the funny thing is they tried to make this into a movie, which makes complete sense. And I cannot believe that it has not been adapted. With all these cartoon movies happening, are they only doing talking animals? They're not going to bother doing uh, humans at all? Oh, yeah, I know. I mean, they did Josie and the Pussycats, which I thought was really good. That's true. Fun to watch. But, no, this one, I think this one should have been the next one to do. Especially, you know, if you're trying to get, you know, kids hooked on to, you know, something like James Bond, you know, real secret by uh, tactical espionage. Right, and it doesn't seem like it would be kind of that expensive. It says here a few years ago that Zac Efron and Dwayne The Rock Johnson were attached, but it just, you know, nothing ever happened. That'd be pretty cool, but uh, Dwayne is not race Banyan. It, that wouldn't even make sense. Uh, you know, cast somebody a little bit younger, not as bulky. I mean, he doesn't have to be white by any means, but I'm just saying he, he's not the right size. Oh, yeah. He does have the Plus sense of humor, though. Then he does. Plus, now he's going to be Black Adam in, you know, the movie adaptation of Shazam. Yeah. Which I think is a really cool choice. I think he'd be perfect. Yeah, I'm trying to think of someone who would be good cast. I mean, the problem with Johnny Quest is that you have to cast a kid unless they age him up. And at best, he's going to be a high school. But obviously, Johnny Quest, what is he, like 13? 14? Yeah, 13 or 14. Yeah, so you're going to have to find a really good kid actor that can handle his action. I think, I think I they're hope... going to age up. Yeah. I honestly hope that when it comes to Haji, they don't pick, they don't do what they did. They don't whitewash him. I'll be so pissed if they whitewash yeah. him. Yeah, I don't. It's, it's I mean, maybe that's why the movie hasn't happened because it's difficult to figure out the right balance. Because I mean, it has to be kids, and you're putting them in danger with all these special effects and action sequences. So that's a little bit harder. If they're not going to do a movie, bring the cartoon back, you know, or at least air the old cartoons. When's the last time they even aired these? It's ridiculous. I don't. I mean, they air. I mean, they were aired with you know. The old cartoons were actually aired like on Cartoon Network and like Toonami. You know, I would when we would stay up late, they'd always have all the late night boomerang cartoons, and I and I would watch Johnny Quest. That's how I knew of it first. Yeah. And you know, now that it came back in the '90s, and I thought it was a huge success. Well, boomerang has but, changed because when it first came out, it was all about the old school stuff. But then all of a sudden, boomerang changed, and uh, their old their their opinion on what is old school is now what they originally aired, like Dexter's Laboratory, Ed, Ed and Eddie, you know. Um, what what's the guy again? Hoo ha, mama, oh, Johnny Bravo. Johnny Bravo. Thank you. I don't know why I forgot that. You know, and that's what they consider classic now. So the stuff that's before, like the 1990s, is just completely put in a vault. I mean, the stuff a lot of the stuff's not even on DVD. So where where do you get it? Where do you get to see this? It's irritating. Yeah, I have to look it up online somehow. Yes, so. Yeah, and but, oh, look at it. Oh, gosh, doesn't this this guy just screams mad scientist? Look at his hair, <laughs> and he's in a, and he's in a mental and he's in a mental asylum. Asylum. Yeah, so you know, TNT had this whole thing where they were going to make this huge, and it just didn't really pan out. They had a lot of marketing and merchandising, and for some reason, it didn't really connect, and it's kind of a bummer. Yep. Oh, and this is where we get the first shots of a uh, cyberspace or Quest World. I think that's why I think that's how his father's with. He he admitted Crestworld yeah. and you know gave Ryder cyberspace. Now, do you watch the Venture Brothers at all? Yes. 
Now, you can obviously see that's a huge homage to Johnny Quest. Venture Brothers, I always thought, was take the Hardy Boys, dumb them down, and then throw them into Johnny Quest's world. I mean, it's... I thought, yeah, I thought it was a little bit of both of that, too, but more Johnny Quest than anything. Yeah, but having the two brothers. It's like, unless you made Haji, you know, his brother. That's like how it worked. But, yeah, you can see the biggest influence there was Johnny Quest. And sometimes the original Johnny Quest could be a little absurd with how crazy, like, the villains would be. And I just love the fact that that's where the Venture Brothers kind of took that wild, crazy bananas crap. And then they just went, you know what, let's go full supernova with the craziness. You know, making Barack like a bloodthirsty savage. You know, just nutsoid who would just destroy anything in his path. You know, and, and not be beat. Yeah, and Dr. Venture <laughs> is completely full of himself and he pretty much hates everybody. And, you know, the Venture Brothers, of course, have evolved so much in the series. That, and they're really dumb. <laughs> yeah, or they just get too uh, over their head. I think I don't think they're dumb. I think they're um, they're closed off from the world, so they're kind of naive and ignorant. Yeah, no, plus this was like I think pre, I think post or pre reboot, or maybe they had to they had to you know cut back a bit on the budget because you know it, it was an expensive cartoon enough as it is. Johnny Quest Look, or Venture yeah. Brothers? Oh, Johnny Quest. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the Cyber Show was very expensive. I think it was like a million dollars an episode, which even The Simpsons, it took them forever just to get above a million dollars. So Ted Turner was not messing around. He really wanted this to be huge. I mean, I don't blame him. I mean, I'm sure it's something he grew up with. Wait, how old is Ted Turner again? Oh, I'm sure he's probably about 80 now. I really don't know. I was going to say, well, dang, maybe he grew up watching Johnny Quest and he wanted to bring it back. Or he saw the potential in Johnny Quest and liked it so much. Yeah, I I'm to bring sure it back. he saw the potential, seeing that it was playing well on his channel, and said, "You know what? This is something that might be of this this moment right here. This might work." You know, for a show that only lasted two seasons, fifty-two episodes, it seemed like it was on for a lot longer than that. They may have just really rerun it a lot. I remember seeing quite a few videos on the shelf at the video store. Oh wow. Did, uh, that's right. You probably too young to remember those, but yeah, I remember a lot of a lot of toys and like in the video stores, you would just find. Like, oh no, no, movies. no! I remember video stores and I remember the toys. I remember the toys big time. I think I had a few. Oh, of them. okay. Yeah, and if I never got one, I you know as a kid, I'd probably kind of you know be upset with my mom for a bit. Like, okay, I don't want to talk to you for another day. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It says here, and at the time, I thought this thing was huge, but it said the show failed to gain the ratings that were necessary. And it performed poorly with merchandising. Man, if I was a kid, I would have bought these up. Maybe the toys are just badly done or horribly marketed. Who knows? I don't. It's just been so long, I don't remember. But honestly, John, it's like, seriously, Johnny, you couldn't have had some kind of contingency plan. This guy is a mad is a mad genius. You had to think he'd double cross you. Huh. Uh, come on, Johnny and Haji. The, but then, yeah, they are just kids, but come on. Even the, they should know a little bit better. Olive Garden's first See? ever yeah, no, toy. I, I think the voice, that is so the weird voice that acting. happens for a couple seconds. <laughs> I heard it too, yeah. That, that was weird. I, I couldn't have been on my part. Maybe we're picking up alien signals. Oh no, my brain. It's going to explode. Maybe they're trying to communicate with us. Maybe they want to share this. Maybe they want to, maybe they want to save us. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, okay, I will say this. They, great voice acting. I thought Robert Patrick was great as Race. As, uh, I mean, Ace. No, it's but Race. The thing is, uh, Race. Oh, okay. Yeah, Race Bannon. Yeah, no, the voice of Race. I mean, it does, and plus the, the way he looks, he, yeah, he just has white hair, but he doesn't seem that old. No, I think well, I think there's people like that all the time. I, I have friends who have gray hair, and they were like 22. 
not that much gray hair, but Steve Martin, gray in his thirties. Oh yeah, you're right. But also about um, and George Siegel, I think is the voice of Doctor Quest. He is. Well, we have John. We have George Siegel. The names involved in this were kind of surprising. Well, a couple of them are like classics, like you know having Rob Paulson in there, Frank Welker. They're like in every cartoon. John Delancey, and, he played Q on Star Trek The Next Generation. Robert Foxworth, he came in on the second season. He's really good, too. And Jennifer Hale. I don't know who that is. Who's Jennifer Hale? Oh, gosh, she's a voice actress. I hear her in almost every video game and almost every cartoon. Oh, you she know, was, we discussed this on the last episode. You are correct. I forgot about yeah. her. Her and Cam Clark are in, like, every video game. They're, like, the I think the top-working voice actors. Could be. And plus, Jennifer Hale is also the voice of she- uh, female Shepard in Mass Effect. The game that makes me constantly nauseous. Yeah. The yeah, camera moves around like crazy. I'm like, Rrr. Plus, the, the ending for part three was just like watching the ending of Lost. That's all I'll say about it. Yeah, that's horrible. <laughs> you know, Actually, how, I never, I never oh finished God, Lost. Four hours tell. have gone by in this cartoon in a matter of 16 minutes and 37 seconds. So uh, it says that uh, Johnny Quest started off as Johnny Quest Extraordinary Adventures, and it started in 1995. They had 30 scripts done and eight reels, but it just hit development hell, and they just held off forever and ever. And it took them forever to finish that first season. So maybe that's why by the time they were done with the cyber world, not only were the ratings not as good, but maybe they just decided to go in a different direction. Yeah, but just looking at this, like just the suit, the cyber suits they're wearing does seem like something Tron Legacy that you'd see in Tron Legacy now. Yeah. Oh, uh, hey, look, a power sled, pretty much like a Tron, almost like a Tron cycle, except, or no, it just looks like a cyber jet ski. And they, their helmets are already activated. Yeah, it's pretty much just like you could definitely tell Tron was a huge influence, or anything involving cyberspace, you know, was. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is the show itself, or uh, Tron itself, was kind of maligned. When it first came out, it did not do that well, and it wasn't that influential to anybody at that time, but the kids who grew up on Tron realized how, you know, how important the idea is. They were so far ahead of their time. There's so many things, like, you know, of course, the, the sequel in the series, but, you know, Johnny Quest had to been somehow inspired by it. Uh, Reboot, obviously, was inspired by it. Uh, oh. There's so much of the cyber world and CGI and stuff that was developed there that would go on to just be part of it and just normal thing in the industry. Oh yeah, no, I, I mean, plus nobody could understand Tron. Nobody knew cyberspace. That's when computers were just starting out. Nobody even understood computers. Nobody. So I mean, yeah, it must have seemed really like alien to them. So like, I don't know what they're even talking about. But now it now it seems antiquated. Not just because of the look. But the idea is like, of course, we know what all that stuff means. Why don't? Why did they know? You know, ROM. ROM wasn't even a thing in people's mouths at the time. Oh yeah, or gosh, or you know, um, software, or you know, data transfer programs, or uh, accounting, accounting, accounting programs. <laughs> it's like, wait, how does it account? What does it do? And why do they look like people? This makes no sense. So uh, the budget for the first season of Johnny Quest, including marketing, was forty million dollars. I've My never, God. I don't even heard anything for a cartoon like that now. Not even like huge disasters, like what was that, uh, Family Pride or something like that. There was some show that they did with lions, like they're. Uh, oh. Do you remember that show? I can't remember what it was called. Now it was about um, 
the lions that were Siegfried and Roy, and they made a cartoon of it, like 13 episodes, and it was very, very expensive. It was a huge disaster. Oh, yeah, the Siegfried and Roy cartoon, where I think it didn't involve trolls. No, 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 no. It was the, the Family Pride or Lion Pride or something like that. Head of the Pride. I don't know. It was all about the lions in, that were Siegfried and Roy. So. Uh, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. But yeah, $40 million to sink on a cartoon, uh, that's insane. I mean, I don't even know TV shows they spent that much money on until like recently. That's bonkers. Cut the blue wire. Cut the blue wire. <laughs> <laughs> that's always these moments. It's either the blue wire. Don't cut the red one. It's like, well, yeah, he did trick you earlier. I mean, why would you believe that doctor? You'd have to doubt him. And why would the kid know? The kid's too gullible. Johnny Quest, you're a little too gullible and dumb, man. No offense, but still. I feel like, oh no! Yeah, I feel like the original show had more character and atmosphere to the way it looked and the way it was developed. But I gotta say, this show just something was so unique about it. That oh yeah, you can't deny it. And the fact that it's been kind of ignored is kind of a shame. Oh, I know. Plus, I mean, Johnny Quest, I thought was a classic franchise, and it. I think it definitely needed to make a comeback, especially you know, for, especially if you want you know little kids to get into James Bond or something like that. Yeah. Well, just something beyond talking animals and silly comedy, something a little more action-oriented. It's like the perfect show for kids that are like 6, 12. I know, especially if they want a character to relate to, you know. I mean, come on. I mean, all the characters are grown up or animals. What can they do? Yeah. But no, I honestly think it was a successful cartoon, and I'm surprised that many, it didn't really get that many ra- as, as many ratings as it should have. Yeah, it's just weird. But, $300 million worth of advertising. Three hundred million dollars. Woo! That digital animation. Oh my god! I mean, that must have been like extremely new. Like, oh my god! I can't believe it. This is fantastic to look at. And you look at it now, and you're like, oh god, that's horrible. It didn't even line up right. Like, like they're walking all clunky. Like they're old, and they have to have a cane when they walk. <laughs> <laughs> the motion capture, like with the motion capture bubbles, like that heavy. <laughs> All right, so I think that's yeah. it for us on Johnny Quest. That's something I, I think that uh, is kind of necessary to see sometime in your life, at least one of the series you know what you're talking about, because the show is very influential. Like I said, it was the first uh, cartoon to really take a focus on action instead of comedy. No talking animals. I mean, there is a dog, but it doesn't talk. And, you know, it kind of set... fly all around the world. Yeah, it kind of... And you got this really cool... Oh, sorry. No, it just kind of set a trend that you can't be denied. And it was cool to have, you know, an Indian sidekick, you know. I think that should be his catchphrase whenever he knocks someone out and just goes, Sing, sing, salabing, punk. <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a break, a little commercial break here, go on to the adventures of James Bond Jr. But first, I want to play a little clip. Um, so, uh, Jacob, do you think that now that we have commercials that we're sellouts? Yeah, kind of. We're, we're sellouts? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm not making any money. Are you making money? No, no. no. But we're getting some sweet T-shirts. <laughs> that we do. All right. Do. But you know what? Johnny Quest <laughs> thinks we're sellouts. He thinks we're sellouts. Johnny Quest thinks we're what? Johnny Quest thinks we're sellouts. Sellouts. Johnny Quest thinks we're sellouts. Sellouts. Hey, nice shirt. Gee, thanks. Say, that's a nice coffee mug, too. Well, I sure like it. You want to clue me in on where you got them? Sure thing. Just visit jibetsko.com. Swell. Hey, how do you spell that? 
Why, it's G-I-M-E-T-Z-C-O dot com. watched Johnny Quest. Now we're talking about James Bond Jr. That was one of the worst intros I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, James Bond Jr. deserves I think a better intro than that. That was I mean, like James Bond. that was like uh, the assistant to someone who wrote one of the great James Bond songs. Like, uh, he's not available. Uh, wait, hold on a second. He had this song sitting. You know, he just like made it up and he goes, it's for, uh, he did it. That's right. It's, it, he did, I, did, I did not write this. I as well have. Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> yeah, it was just just so awful. It was just <laughs> like watching Jack and Jill with Adam Sandler. <laughs> I don't think that movie's that bad, but uh, actually, I'm one of the few people who actually kind of like that. Actually, you know what movie of his I do like? And this is off subject. <laughs> is uh, that's my boy. Oh my god! I know. Not... For some reason, I just like so it. So annoyed. All right, all right. Let's get off to this topic. All right, back to James Bond Jr. Um, up on YouTube, the very first episode, um, appropriately named, is The Beginning. And it's uh, on YouTube, it's on Daily Motion. so we're just going to go ahead and hit play now? No? Yep. It's not good? Good. We're good? All right. Oh, United Artists. Yeah, so um, with hey. this company, at least it was from uh, the people beyond, behind the movies. You know, it was United Artists, it was, it was Appjack, you know, the guys that, you know, produced the James Bond films. It's just... It's not. It's not at all. There's the Aston Martin. Yes, it's not like the movies though at all. Of course, um, meant for kids. Of course, meant for merchandising. So the villains are, you know, the James Bond villains were always kind of over the top. Well, they're like just way, way over the top. Obviously, because it'll make a good toy. Jaws is so different here than he ever was. Oh yeah. In the movie. Oh, hands down. Yeah, I know. I mean, if you were going to make him appeal to kids, you know, just make him look like an actual robotic cyborg freaking machine. But in a suit, with a nice suit on. Right. Suit. He's got to have some class. Now, here's plus, you know, thing. we've got the classic uh, Aston Martin, you know, that right, James Bond that back. And everybody loved. That's one of the great things about the James Bond movies were the gadgets. And this show was heavy on gadgets. And, you know, the last two Dim uh, Timothy Dalton movies were not. And I think a lot of people were missing that. So this kind of makes up for that. Right. And as we tell, it's like, oh, wait, that's not James Bond. Hmm. And, of course, he makes little quips like, you know, James Bond did, you know, with Sean Connery and, you know. <laughs> so before we, we get into the, the other guys Yeah, so before we get into the cartoon, we should probably discuss the movies a bit. Now, while Sean Connery is the originator, he's usually chosen as the best, and his movies are chosen as the best. Do you feel that way? Yes. Now, he, was hands down. he had the suave, he had, you know, he was also part of Scottish, he was, 
He was a smooth talker, and plus, you know, he knew how to handle himself. Now, the the history of James Bond has had quite a few guys, you know, coming in and out of that role. Yeah, Sean Connery, um, I really think he is absolutely fantastic. Something about Pierce Brosnan really connected with me. Maybe it's because he was a James Bond from my time. Um, but I will only say that GoldenEye is a really good Bond movie. It's one of the best. The next one with Michelle Yeoh, that one's Tomorrow Never Dies, right? I think it's Tomorrow Never Dies, yeah. That one is pretty good. After that, the next two sucked. Uh, I think, wait. The one with Denise Richards, The World Is Not Enough, is garbage. And the one with Holly Berry, what's that one called? Uh, Die Another Day. Die Another Day. That one's not that bad, but it's just not up to snuff. I thought The World Was Not Enough. I thought it had a great villain, mainly because it was Robert Carlyle. Oh, I love Robert Carlyle, but I thought his final fight sequence was not very good. But I mean, like whole, he could have, I mean, he could have died a better way. He deserved a better death. Yeah, and the girls just sucked. Now, James Bond, the only one uh, of Sean Connery's James Bond that I don't really care for, even though it's still fascinating, is Diamonds Are Forever. Now, the only reason I don't like that one as much is because I've seen it like six times, still not really sure what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, right here at James Bond Jr., it's like, they definitely have a diverse group of, you know, peers right. and colleagues. The, and the thing is, these characters are mostly connected to characters from the movies, which is good. Right. Instead of coming up with a brand new character. Of course, there's James Bond Jr. Okay, so the weird thing about James Bond Jr. is he is not James Bond's son. James Bond... He's his nephew. Yeah, he, it was proposed that he had a brother, even though it's been said numerous times that he was an orphan. Now, it says that he has a brother. Now, are you saying that James, Bron James Bond's brother is also James Bond? Or perhaps James Bond, I guess, had someone he considered a brother in the orphanage. Ma well, uh, maybe. it's confusing. Or, who knows? It probably has something to do with genetics. Uh, maybe. It's very weird. Um, but obviously, they had to say James Bond Jr. because, you know, it's easier to sell than Doug Bond, the nephew of james bond even though he was an orphan it's it's yeah it's obviously taking it i want to say that this is an alternate universe version of james bond so it makes sense that jaws has all these gadgets and he's like a super villain and that you know that james bond had a brother it would make much more sense if it was an alternate universe of what we see in the movies has anyone claimed the, the you know the word supervillain, which is like a, a really, a supervillain that's just really stupid. Why? Uh, here we go. Okay, and, so, uh, I think this is, this is, Q, now this is Q's grandson. I right, believe. IQ is the grandson of Q. The kid with the blonde hair is kind of dopey. He is the son of Felix Leader, later, who has been uh, played by roughly a dozen people in the James Bond movies. They keep changing him out. It's crazy. Um, Jack Lord, you know, the star of Hawaii Five-0. He, yeah. he was the very first Felix. Now, he was in the first couple movies, I believe. And then uh, he wanted more money and want more focus on his character, so he quit. Oh, tough luck, Kyle. You're supporting him. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I think, that actually, I think they were planning to do a spinoff of him. They just want to give it more time to build up something for him in order to make it necessary for a spinoff. But then by then he was moved on to other stuff, and of course he got his fame for like twelve years on Y Five O, and you know 
Nobody's going to scoff at that. Yep. And of course, but yeah, Richard Jones. And of course, he happens to be a surfer dude. They're just good. they're trying to get really diverse. Yeah. Characters and you know to get along with the times, so you know an American audience can have some familiarity with it. Uh, yep, of course, total Michelangelo type. <laughs> you know the funny thing is, uh, they changed the main villain. I really thought that they would go with Spectre. They went with Scum. Now Scum is easier to sell to twelve-year-old boys when it comes to buying toys. <laughs> But Spectre is like kind of the canon of James Bond universe. In fact, now they're bringing Spectre back with the. That's going to be the name of the new James Bond movie, Spectre. Oh, I know. I'm excited. Now, I, I think I'll actually see it. Yeah. Now back to the movies. Of course, uh, uh, Sean Connery quit. He was just burnt out. He was doing one every single year, and he wanted to do other movies, so he dropped out. And that's when they got. Uh, he stars in um. Why can't I remember? On Her Majesty's Secret Service. He's the one that was only in one James Bond movie. For Pete's sake. I can't remember his name either. That's ridiculous. I think most of the universe can't remember him, but uh, that's that's absurd that I can't. Yeah, and who else? Okay, then there's Timothy Dalton. I thought Timothy Dalton was really good. You know what? Uh, I think he's one. Of, well, uh, before we get to that, um, uh, it was George Lazenby. That's ridiculous that I forgot that. But uh, George Lazenby, he was only in one James Bond movie. In fact, one of the best James Bond movies, but no one sees it that way. I think time is kind of vindicated a little bit because On Her Majesty's Secret Service got rid of a lot of the humor and dry one-liners. It, it kept it to a minimum, and the movie's dead serious. In fact, have you seen it? Which one? On Her, uh, her Majesty's Secret Service? Yeah, it's the one where he gets married and she dies. And then she dies at the end. Yeah, yeah it's just like, holy down. crap, they took it really serious. And it didn't do well. Plus, George quit. George quit after one movie. He said James Bond was tired. He's not of our times, that he needs to move on. And that was a huge mistake. But it was a boon for the series because Sean Connery came back for, like, a huge paycheck. Like, back then, I think he got, like, a couple million, which at the time he was only being paid a few hundred thousand. So good wow. for Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. And then, and then... Uh, Roger Moore. Oh, Roger Moore. Do you like Roger Moore? I... Yeah, I didn't really care much for Roger Moore. See, he played it too silly. He played it like it was a cartoon, which, like, you know, like, I mean, it was like as if he played it as a comic book movie. And I know James Bond is beyond reality. I know that it's fantasy. But uh, with the exception of a couple movies, like The Spy Who Loved Me and For Your Eyes Only, his movies I thought were crap. Yeah, I, they were. Uh, Golden Gun was pretty good, mainly because of Christopher Lee. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I like that oh, one, actually. Thanks. What's that? Remember the sidekick's name, uh, the actor, the. The dwarf. Oh, uh, her villages. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What's the the one that was really awful was Octopussy. Uh, <laughs> like, like uh, Diamonds Are Forever. I have no idea what Octopussy is really about. I've seen it so many times. In fact, that was the very first James Bond movie I had seen. If it, I can't believe they still put out a movie called Octopussy. I know technically it's not dirty, but it was dirty. Come on, you knew. Yeah. Honestly. I... You know, in cartoons and shows like this, there always has to be that one nagging, you know, arch nemesis yeah. rival in school or something. <laughs> kind of like a Malfoy. Yeah, thank Potter. you. That was what I was trying to think of. Uh, <laughs> so, of course, James, uh, they kept bringing back Roger Moore over and over, even though I think at one time they were poised to have James Brolin take over. In fact, I think they signed James Brolin, and everybody lost their minds because he was going to be American. And then, you know, Roger Moore decided to opt his contract for another two movies. And you can tell by the time View to a Kill comes out that he is just creaking along. He's so, like, not in the right shape at all. 
he's old. Uh, I would say like 50% of that movie is acted by a stunt double. Pretty much, yeah. But here's the thing also about Roger Moore. I think, what was it called? A View to a Kill? That's the one that had the Duran Duran song? Yeah, and the one with Christopher Walken as the villain. Yeah. Hey, come this way, Mr. Bond. <laughs> hey. Check out my boudoir. Okay, now, here, look at Jaws. Honestly, okay, he's, he's in a nice suit, but then you look at his shoes, you're like, was he a schoolboy? What gives? Why? That is a horrible fashion choice. And again, 80s did have some horrible fashion choices. Yeah, okay. Well, this is 1981. Still, fashion wasn't really that great. No. <laughs> it was still clinging on to the 80s. And, of course, okay, Jaws should have been electrocuted because, you know, his mouth is full of metal. Right. And should have so, yeah, his, his brain. His, his mouth has definitely changed. He used to just have metal teeth, now his whole face. But it makes a good toy. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's something for, you know, kids to really despise. Now, Mur- a- Murakami designed these characters, and I don't care for the look. It's 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 not. I don't. It's it's from the guys that did Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original series, you know. And they did uh, Speed Racer. They did a few other things, but nothing really that significant. That's why it seems so familiar. The animation. It it looks like it was like Captain Planet or Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I'm trying to see what else they did. Oh, they did Toxic Crusaders. That was one of our episodes. They did the California Raisin Show. Uh, they did the last chunk of Alvin and the Chimps. Yeah, these guys weren't really well known. I'm surprised they were hired because they didn't have a whole lot under their belt when it came to animation. But I believe that they were a UK company, even though the last name says Murakami. Oh, okay. It's all, so, who knows? So, I think maybe Murakami... Uh, wait, have you looked at his bio? Does it say that he was in uh, born in England? No, uh, you know, I know his name from something else outside of these cartoons. Uh, that sounds familiar. Oh, he directed Battle Beyond the Stars. I knew that. We were discussing Battle Beyond the Stars for another episode. Um, hmm. If you've never seen it, it's basically the Magnificent Seven in space. It's really cool. Oh, oh, oh! I, I love Magnificent Seven. That's my favorite Western. I have to look into that now. Yeah, and the funny thing is they even cast Robert Vaughn in it. <laughs> yeah, Battle Beyond the Stars <laughs> Awesome. Is, it's uh, the guy who played John Boy on Waltons. I can't remember his name all of a sudden. John had, Boy. Yeah, you know, you, you've seen the Waltons? Richard Thomas. Uh, okay, so Richard Thomas, he's a young pilot who goes out to find a bunch of other experienced pilots to help them against John Saxon and his armada of people taking over their planet. So he gets uh, George Papard from the A-Team. He gets Robert Vaughn. And then the rest of them were just like a mixed match. You know, like someone was an alien race, you know, four people who share one mind. It's up on, uh, I think it's up on Netflix and YouTube. It's a really great uh, B-movie. Most of it's because the script um, is so tight. It's so well done for a, a small movie. Well, I'll have to look into it. That'll be on the start. Yeah, I knew I knew that name from somewhere. Yeah, you know, it says the headquarters for Murakami was in California, but I thought the rule of thumb basically for any James Bond production is that it needs to be based in London, mm-hmm. and they and they usually only hire directors from England. There's been a few times they've hired outside, but it's always like some sort of, you know, like something connected to England, like they'll hire directors from Australia or New Zealand, stuff like that. No American directors whatsoever. You know, I think it would be really cool... I. Honestly, I'd like to see Ridley Scott direct one. Yeah, it'd be and cool. And perhaps yeah. Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, you know what? He's actually, I would see, I can see Kenneth Branagh doing one. But, you know, Spielberg's tried to do one, and he got rejected, so that's how he ended up doing Indiana Jones. Spielberg. You know, John Woo got rejected. Quentin Tarantino got rejected. 
They're talking. Oh. They're talking. Um. Okay. Oh, before we get to the new Bond, uh. So then it was Timothy Dalton. He only did two movies, and I thought both were pretty good. The only problem with License to Kill is that it's more like it's not it doesn't really feel like a James Bond movie. It feels more like like a Dirty mm. Harry movie, you know, like uh, yeah, no, there were really not that much. Yeah, and the, was, the guess there there were really not that many gadgets like there was in the old ones. Right, and it's more of a vigilante movie. He's not really sent on his own mission uh, on the mission from the government. He does it on his own. So while it is a James Bond movie, it doesn't completely feel. And I don't know if that their idea was to make it more with the times because spy movies were not popular in the eighties. You know, it was more like uh, Tough Guys, Stallone, Schwarzenegger, and Van Damme, and Bruce Willis. Yeah, that and kind of thing was coming around. That and the Cold War was, like, coming to an end. Right, so James Bond was kind of a, out of his normal realm at that time. So it was almost necessary for License to Kill to bomb. Because oh. I think if it hadn't tanked, that there would be no cartoon. And that GoldenEye wouldn't be so amazing. Because when GoldenEye came back... They finally got who they intended to have James Bond. You know, they intended to have Pierce Brosnan for Living Daylights, but just as he was ready to go out on stage and announce it, they they decided to renew his contract for Remington Steel for another season, which is stupid. If I was a guy who ran Remington Steel, I would go, you know what? He's going to be James Bond. He's going to do this movie. He's going to raise the profile for our show. Let him do the movie, then come back for our show. The ratings would have been huge. Right. Ridiculous. Terrible choices. Yeah. I know, but honestly, I like how this cartoon definitely plays along with, you know, all the high-tech gadgets, but with, the, you know, at the fun attitude of, you know, teenagers and young adults. Right. And, uh, the but, la- of course, the last James Bond, how do you feel about... Uh, Craig? Skyfall? What? No, 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 no. Uh, Craig. Daniel Craig. I love Daniel Craig. I think he, I think he's great. Do you feel like not, but do you feel like they're James Bond movies? Do you think they're eventually going to move towards gadgets and more of the tone of the classic James Bond movies? I don't know. I mean, after after watching Casino Royale and what they were doing with like little to no gadgets. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just like there's no need to. I mean, jeez. I don't know. You some people, some like people that. are bitter though. Some people really want it to stay the same, but they're like, oh no, this is more of a James uh, Jason Bourne movie, not a James Bond. So uh, no, with James your, Bond was. Where do you think Jason Bourne got its influence? Yeah, I know, but they're saying you know ditching the gadgets, ditching the humor, ditching the high scope, you know, the vision, or whatever is more of a Jason Bourne movie, which also makes Casino Royale and those more of the times. But I think introducing Spectre, they'll eventually introduce some gadgets, but they're not going to go cartoony. They have to keep it somehow grounded so it doesn't get out of control. Yeah, they, so, if, yeah, if, they'll have to keep some kind of grounded, high tech, advanced, you know, gear. In order to combat Spectre, because Spectre, I think, is supposed to be the deadliest uh, organization that they'll go against. Yeah, Daniel Craig can't keep playing James Bond forever, so they've been talking about who's going to replace him. What do you think? I mean, I hope they get some. Well, I hope they get someone you know who definitely would fit the caliber of James Bond. I mean, there was rumor that it was going to be Robert Pattinson, but I'm like, no, 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 can't be unless it's like. I don't think he has that. No. He's going to put on some serious muscle. Well, they're talking about going with, um, was it Idris Elba? Is that how you say his name? Oh, man. That would really be awesome. I love Idris Elba. But will he be too old by the time this happens? Will he be, I mean, he's already in his 40s. And by the time know. Daniel I mean, Craig retires. Daniel Craig, you know, he was, yeah, I think he was like in his late 30s when he started. So, right, he was you know, 35 or 36, yeah. 
Um, yeah, no, but I think you know, Craig. I think I he was in the books. Um, I think he was uh, mentioned as like you know, blonde haired, uh, blue eyed. Huh. But I think they got the look down perfectly. Plus, you know, Craig, he's still in great shape. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I think. I don't, Did you ever read any of the books? I've never read any of them. I only briefly read none of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, just like looking up. You know, through, like, Wikipedia stuff about the movie. I mean, yeah, I mean, people would say, you know, as far as, like, you know, when it came to uh, Casino Royale and people would, you know, describe the recep- or th- at the receptions part and how some critics, like, were really, you know, happy about the look of Daniel Craig. Yeah. Um, but so you, you, quite, know the, you know James Bond Jr. is kind of sort of based on a book. Well, yeah, I mean, it, since it has to do with James Bond, but, I mean... As far as like a next generation? No, no. There was a book called The Adventures of James Bond Jr. Uh, 003.5. Oh, wow. Instead of 007, yeah. It's just cut it in half, whatever. 003.5. It was there. <laughs> they were trying to introduce James Bond to kids, and it only lasted one book. It was not accepted by any means, and it's kind of surprising that it didn't last more than that. Yeah, but I think bringing in this cartoon... I thought was like, you know, to the newer generation, especially like the eighties and they wanted to, you know, branch out to kids. Yeah. That hey, look, they just mentioned 007, you know, it's a gift from him. Now he's got this really slick red. It, I think a new eighties Aston Martin. I think this is what I mentioned the new car was. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's a beautiful looking car. I thought it was more like a Corvette, but I guess not. The uh, the villains, a lot of the villains were returned or at least homages or modified versions of villains in the movie series. Uh, Scumlord, uh, basically, you know, kind of derivative of Cobra Commander, but a lot of people believe that he was Blowfield, which they just never got to explore. You know, the show only lasted one season, 65 episodes, uh, so it must have been syndicated. I, I thought it was on a network, but that means it was syndicated when it was that many episodes. But I think they had a lot more ideas that they were trying to explore in the second season, and it just didn't happen. James Bond, for like five years there, was just not popular. And then all of a sudden, boom, it just came right back. You know, I would think with the popular James Bond, they would try to find a way of re- you know, doing this series again. Yeah, and I think there was a game for this for um, Super Nintendo. Oh, yeah, there was one for Super Nintendo. Yeah, I remember playing it. It was actually decent. Most of these licensed games uh, sucked. Yeah. Uh, Overall, I mean, like that uh, that theme song. Thinking back on it now, oh gosh, I don't remember ever like singing it out loud or like being that excited when the theme song came on. I just wanted to watch the cartoon. I, I guess even then, remember thinking about it now. I guess then I probably hated the theme song. And I didn't care for it. <laughs> um, so the other villains <laughs> from the movies that came back for the show: Jaws, Knickknack, Goldfinger, Odd Job. Odd Job, of course, being one of people's favorites he was even parodied in the austin powers who throws a shoe random random task <laughs> his name's random task. Um, um, dr no oh. dr no comes back but dr no looks weird for the cartoon have you seen that far into the show there's a picture of him mm. on youtube and i don't remember this at all but he looks, i'll look it up he they took dr no and they made him look like a deranged version of the Mandarin. Oh wow! I'll have to look into that. Yeah. It's also, um, what was one villain? I think uh, Live and Let Die. That villain. What was his name? 
the voodoo guy. Oh, I don't remember the guy's name. I remember the actor, but he affect Kodo, but yeah, I don't remember. Doctor, oh gosh, it was Doctor something. I want to say Doctor. Was it Doctor Drange? <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking. Hold on. Uh, but hey, you know, it also had a. Uh, it also it also was a huge hit. The song, yeah, because you know, plus it was by Paul McCartney. Oh, oh, James. Living Like Die, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of those songs are classics. Well, some not so much. The Living Daylights by Aha, not so much. But that one, uh, "A View to a Kill," sucked, but the song was awesome. The "A Beauty A View to a Kill" yeah, by, by uh, Duran, oh. yeah, yeah, that was a great song. I mean, it's just sadly, uh, Baron Samdi. Was he in the? Cartoon? That was the guy's name. No, but that was the villain in A View to a Kill, oh, the one with okay. the top hat was... and the voodoo guy. Yeah. Baron Von oh my gosh. Hmm. Yeah, the guy that, oh my god, Jeffrey Holder, that guy passed away in 2014. Yeah, we, we talked about him on an episode, but we didn't really have much to say, because I think that's pretty much the only thing, that and the Coke commercials. Uh, so the merchandising for James Bond Jr. wasn't as extensive as Johnny Quest by any means, but they still had some decent stuff. Like, we already talked about the video games. They put out a board game. They had some uh, the little Matchbox toys and wow. uh, a line of action figures that apparently went nowhere. I guess it just wasn't very popular. Like I said, James Bond was just kind of out of touch with the times. Even well, though the cartoon I... seemed like it was popular, I feel like everybody was talking about it, but maybe I'm wrong. I actually had an action figure of um, James Bond Jr. Yeah, it was like kind of metallic, and he would like you know flip his gun up and yeah. shoot people. I think it's it was funny. pretty cool. Some of the cartoons in the episodes would have like parodies of the movies, like A View to a Thrill and Live and Let's Dance, stuff like that. <laughs> Goofy. Oh, God. There were a lot of the books, though. I didn't realize there were so many. There was about 20 books. Now, James Bond Jr. is not considered part of the canon, so it's just kind of like, that's why I thought it was kind of more alternate universe, because they could do whatever they wanted inside that instead of having to stick to whatever the movies had going on. Yeah, it, and like you said, I think the main purpose was to get kids aware of James Bond, you know, especially for the newer generation, because it was dying out, Yeah. so it was just an idea to reboot it, and it seemed to have helped a bit. Did you, was this your first experience with James Bond, or had you seen any of the movies? Oh, I saw some of the old movies, I mean, my dad, you know, the one you mentioned, His Majesty's Secret Service, that was one I remember a lot, because, you know, I remember, you know, saves the world, marries her. And she gets gunned down at the end, and he's sitting there, and the highway driver comes by to inspect him, and he's just sitting there, just all upset, all cried out. That's a, pretty, know, that's over... a pretty hardcore James Bond movie. That's uh, definitely one that needs to be noticed. I think the first one I saw was Live and Let Die. I really remember all the voodoo stuff, and there's a scene where he's running across the water on top of the alligator heads, which was amazing to me. I'd never seen anything like that. I think I saw Vito oh. Kill soon after. And that was like, oh, I, uh, I, don't, I don't need to watch it's these the fire. <laughs> no, no, it was, no, so basically, that was Christopher Walken, who was the villain, right this way, Mr. Bond. And then there was that one girl who was a sidekick, really tall. Oh, Grace Jones. Yeah, Grace Jones. Oh, that's who it was. She was also in Conan the Barbarian. No, did Conan you, the Conqueror. Did you know that... Oh, Conan the Destroyer. Destroyer, yeah. I was like, Conan the Conqueror. Um, Conqueror, which what the fuck actually part happen? three? Um... No, that was called the Conqueror. Yeah, no, uh, that's what it was originally going to be Conan the Conqueror, but you know Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't want to do Sword and Sorcery after the disaster of Red Sonia. Yeah, yeah, so, definitely. So they they just changed it to Call. It takes place in the same world, and then he's a relative of Conan. 
Right. He's supposed to be like his great ancestor or something like that. Like his great, great, great grandfather. Because it actually takes place before yeah. uh, Conan. Um, did you know that View to a Kill is the very first appearance of Dolph Lundgren? It was? Yeah, he's only in it for one minute. He was uh, competing in the pentath on the Olympics in 1984. He was doing a photo shoot. Someone seen him and said that he'd be a great model. So he started doing some model shooting. Then somehow that led to View to a Kill. And because of that, Stallone had somehow seen him, like a picture of him, whatever, some sort of promotional thing for James Bond. And that's how he got hired to... Well, he he got to audition for Rocky IV. Yeah, that, and I think one of his instructors, like his uh, karate instructors, you know, advised him to do it because yeah. he thought he thought he had some potential in movies. Yeah, I mean, and look, we still see. I'm one of those guys that, from the beginning, championed Dolph Lundgren because I had seen him, you know, in Rocky. I saw Rocky IV in the theaters. I saw Masters of the Universe, but I didn't really understand that he was actually a decent actor. Because most of the movies kept him really subdued and kind of brain dead, just a, a you know emotionless person with a huge machine gun. But he did mm-hmm. a movie. Uh, uh, okay, so you know the Punisher. The Punisher is one of those big disasters. It was supposed to be in theaters. Yeah. The company went bankrupt, so they had to sell it, and the, the company who bought it had no interest in putting it in theaters, so they just dumped it on video. So there's that. Right. So with that, Lou Gossett Jr. And Dolph Lundgren got together again for a much smaller movie. It only cost like $4 million, I think. It was shot in Tel Aviv. And he plays a reporter who stumbles upon some sort of conspiracy with terrorists. And Cover up. he is so good in that movie. He is actually a really great actor. He oh, shows, yeah, no. Plus. He shows everything he has in that role. And then almost immediately after that is when he got Universal Soldier. And that's when he just went full bonkers. Oh wow, yeah. Well, the thing is, also he likes it. He still loves doing what he originally does. He's got a, you know, he's got a degree for. He graduated from Stockholm University with a degree in uh, chemical engineering. Yeah. So yeah, he's a brilliant guy too, and he loves martial arts. He's still a martial arts instructor, and he'll do like B movie action flicks on the side. Yeah. But and yeah. I remember him doing. I also remember him in Showdown in Little Tokyo with uh, Brandon Lee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that movie. He um. What was that thing? Uh, he started directing his own movies, and you usually see there's a, a decent quality with the stuff that he directs. Wow, we are so far off of James Bond right now. <laughs> but, you know, the, the funny thing is a lot of people are discovered through those movies. And sadly, when it comes to the women, most of those women go nowhere. They have, like, a, few, a little bit of a burst afterwards where they get some work. But most of those women, their careers just died within a few years, and they're doing direct-to-video, TV, and that was it. But things have changed. The, the newer James Bond movies really respect their women. You know, ever since the Holly Berry, uh, would you say, Die Another Day, ever since then, they're grabbing actresses that, yes, they're attractive, but they're also really good and giving them meaty roles, giving them something to do. So therefore, it, it gets to the modern times that it's not just about James Bond. It's about the woman he's with, what, what she balances out for him, and if she's taken away, what it does, the damage it does to him, which is what On Her Majesty's Secret Service tried to do. Exactly, yeah. And you see that kind of reflected in every other movie. Like, But I will say, Jane Seymour has had success. You know, she's been That's around true, for a while. That's true, she's one of the very few. I mean, how many others have had success? There's so many of them that went by the wayside. The Spy Who Loved Me is considered one of the greatest James Bond movies, but have you really seen her since? No. She did a couple of cheap Italian movies, and that was it. She was done. I've never seen the girl from 
for your eyes only, even though she was really good. And that's when they just started going kind of bimbo town. Uh, and there was a... You know, Talisa Soto is good. Carrie Lowell's good, but they only had Oh, yeah, careers. Talisa Soto. Yeah, they only yeah she's married to uh, Benjamin Bratt. Right. Um, she was in Mortal Kombat, but then she decided to do the sequel, which was a big mistake because that one really sucked. Yeah, that's And I think it killed almost everybody's career. But <laughs> the, the worst two were um, the one from Judo Kill, Tanya Roberts. She was awful. And, and Kim Basinger was in that one, right? No, she was in the odd one. There's one James Bond movie that was not from the company. It's Never Say Never Again. It's a weird movie because when they did Thunderball, it cost so much money that he had to bring in another producer to help fund it, I believe. So he owned 50% of the rights to that one book. And when they went their separate ways, he was able to sue to remake it. So oh, wow. Sony Pictures gave him a huge budget, bigger than any James Bond movie at that time. And they, they did Never Say Never Again. That movie made a lot of money, and it came out really close to Thunderball. Or not Thunderball. Wow. Why did I say that? Uh, close to Octopussy. Octopussy did okay, but when you look at when Sean Connery was James Bond and when Roger Moore was James Bond the same year, wasn't even close. Everybody knows that Sean Connery's the king. Pretty much. Even though Never and, Say Never Again is basically the same plot of Thunderball. Weird. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, yeah. Honestly, Madonna, I, I just don't think she's a good actress. No. That was, well, that was just a why. cameo. Did that even count? Yeah. I mean, yeah, she sang a cool song, but that was it. Yeah. All right. So I think that's it for us here, James Bond. Man, I love talking about James Bond. Man, I love those movies. Some still, I know. I mean, even, honestly. Even the bad ones are still kind of good. I know. Plus, it's been around for, you know, Literally decades. What? Five decades almost. Yeah. No, no. It's, it's five decades now. Last year was five decades. No. Yeah. 1962 was five decades. I forgot. Oh, crap. Skyfall was the 50th anniversary of uh, Skyfall was, I think, Dr. No. biggest one since then. Yeah, it was. In fact, I think it is the most successful one of all. So far, yes. Well, we have to wait till Spectre comes we'll out. We'll see what uh, happens. Yeah, I'm kind of excited. Like, kind of excited yeah. mean I'm really excited. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super duper ecstatically excited. Well, I'm absolutely fantastical. Excitimissimo. I'm absolutely <laughs> ex exhilarated for this flick to come out. <laughs> okay, we can probably stop now. All right, thank you everybody for sticking through another episode of our complete nonsense while we watch cartoons. I really hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, it's our one year anniversary, so we're going to go get plastered. Just on root beer and candy. But Is first, it? we should get some Italian. Maybe pizza. Yeah. Or, or maybe, or maybe, maybe, oh, okay. Uh, Vita Scalapini, which I just found out is baby cow. Oh, gross. But I know. I, that's what I figured out, too. I was like, oh, my God. I, this is baby cow? <sighs> well, I'm just going to, I'm still going to eat it. I, I'm oh, sorry. I don't want to hear that. I, I, didn't, I didn't kill it. You know, there's only so much I can do right now. Plus, you know, I don't want to waste my money. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's check out now. <laughs> I'll never eat it again. All right, so I'm gonna go order my root beer shake, shaken but not stewed. Yes, that shaken sucked. but not stewed. I'm embarrassed I even said that. You think it's possible hey. for us to end an episode without embarrassment? <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, have a good night. I'm a saying good luck. So uh, what song should we end this on? I was thinking more like uh, Live and Let Die. Oh, wait, wait. How about uh, Skyfall? Mm. Or Diana? No, not Die Another Day. I'm sick of Madonna. How about, how about <laughs> You Know My Name? <laughs>
the one Chris Cornell did. Yeah, so many great songs to choose from. Uh, Goldfinger! Oh, <laughs> I got one. Oh, wait. Uh, Golden Eye? No, not Golden Eye. That's, I don't know. That's, that's, that's too porno Yeah. <laughs> uh, wait. Oh, oh, I got it. View to a Kill. View to a Kill? Does it need more cowbell? Yes, I think it does. Add a little <laughs> bit of cowbell in there while you're at it. Come right. on, Mr. Bond. Here we go. View to a Kill. to another great episode of Back in Tunes. This week we'll be covering Astro Boy and GoBots. I'm your host, Michael. And I'm the co-host, Jacob. Or, practically, you know, sidekick. But, but let's, not, let's not focus on titles. Sidekick? You're not my sidekick. You're my partner in crime. Okay, that works too. Can we discuss this That's before not- we're going to like ditch the sidekick thing? <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah. okay, yeah, this is kind of a this is kind of a bad thing. Sidekicks always get killed anyway and replaced by someone worse. Unless you're Robin. Then they just all, for some reason, still seem to be alive, no matter what. Well, yeah, you seem like there. Especially if Ra's al Ghul's involved. <laughs> but, anyway. Alright, so, we're going to start off with Astro Boy. The reason we picked Astro Boy and GoBots is, um, we kind of noticed this year is filled with, uh, robot movies. Like, a lot of robot movies. Uh, just off the hand, I, we have uh, Chappie that just came out. We have yeah. X Machina coming out, or X Machina. Um, the new Transformers, or not Transformers, Terminators coming out. I'm pretty sure there's yes. a couple more coming out. It feels like a, a heavy dose of robots this year. Yes, I know. There's a robot, I think. I can't remember the name of it. But I know, I think something's getting a big anniversary soon. Yeah, I don't I can't, know. It's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember. It, it, but anyway, okay. um, so I will say this. I want to say this about Chappie. I think it reminds me of a more mature, um, <clears throat> dark version of uh, Short Circuit. Minus Steve Gutenberg. Yeah, and then adding in, uh, what's that band? The, the... Uh, Oh, what is band? that band? They, they're that weird German band. <laughs> or maybe, No, actually, they're South African. You know, the ones that... Uh, Die Antwoord. Die Antwoord. Oh, yes. So that's odd. I think I'd rather take the Goot. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's like I prefer Gutenberg. 
Okay, so basically we're going to start off with Astro Boy. Now, there's quite a few series in the the whole franchise, so we're going to skip the obvious. We're going to skip the 60s one. We'll discuss it, but there's a specific reason why we chose the 80s version. And, uh, A, we kind of cover retro cartoons, something that's at least 20 years old. Of course, eventually we're going to run out of old cartoons and we're going to have to find something new to talk about. And, two, uh, we both found the 60s series a little too cheesy. Uh, that is, wow, that's going to make a lot of people immediately stop this episode. But here's out. <laughs> a lot of cartoons are classics, but a lot of them don't date well. You know, they, uh... It's it's a product of their time. I mean, even Johnny Quest we watched last week, and a part of us loves the fact that it was even created, you know, and it was of its time. It's groundbreaking. Uh, it was a trend-setting cartoon, but I was more entertained by the '90s series. Right, and I think the first episode was about fighting lizard people, and it uh, it seemed kind of more along the line of fantasy rather than you know science fiction. Right, and tech, you know, reasonable and logical, you know. So, what we're going to do is, uh, the first episode of the 80s Astro Boy is up on YouTube. We're going to play and chit-chat through that. If you want to find it now, go ahead and press play. Right. I'm assuming you well, have it up and ready. Of course, yes. Okay. <laughs> I want to say this about Astro Boy. I mean, when you see, when you look at him, like the way his hair is all pointed, it kind of reminds me of Elvis. <laughs> I actually knew a kid that had hair just like his. It was very strange. I don't know how he got the back part to stick out like that. The top, I understand. And but looking back at it, it does remind. I think this is where Ace Ventura got its influence. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> He's got kind of the ducktail going on with uh, the fohawk. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many cartoons were actually inspired, or not cartoons, but people were inspired by his hairdo. At least they wait. Did he just blast out he of his butt? Did he just shoot out of his... Yeah, I thought I saw that earlier and I wasn't completely paying attention. He does shoot out of his butt. butt. <laughs> That's a crazy idea. Ooh, it's like killer it laser poop. I know. I mean, but honestly, he's a robot. So, you know, as far as pooping goes, he can't do it because, you know, he uh, is a robot. He can't ingest. He's fully full automaton. But yeah. with the mind of a child. So I'm going to go ahead huh. and admit, like, we've discussed this before, but there's a lot of cartoons, especially international cartoons... I was not raised on because we didn't get them in Indiana. Unless they were connected to a toy line, nobody there aired them. So I never got to see Voltron. I never got to see... Okay, Voltron was connected to a toy line, but not a massive toy line. Uh, I never got to see Gundam. I never got to see Robotech. Astro Boy. Oh, man. I've n I never even... S I have no experience with Astro Boy whatsoever until the 2009 movie came out. And I caught some cartoons here and there. But uh, to be honest with you, um, this is the first time I've actually seen the 80s series. I had only ever seen um, the more recent ones, the so 2003 and 2009 series, I believe. Well, I mean, my dad, honestly, I think knowing when the original series came out, I mean, like my dad had to have grown up with this. I mean, this probably was on. I mean, it had, <clears throat> I mean, it did have an American audience. I mean, it was directed by like, um, like American artists and art directors. Plus, it also, there was a, com you know, a complete, you know, English audio track. So I'm thinking it had to have gotten enough popularity in Japan and went overseas. Right. So I have a funny story to tell you about the movie. Uh, it, it rained. Sorry, I didn't mean rained. It was snowing in Portland. Now, it does snow here and there, like a dusting, but it uh, snowed about four or five inches, and people lost their minds. They act like it was the apocalypse. 
I've never seen so much traffic, people hiding in their house. Fear of their lives. Places would shut down over just a few inches of snow. Like I said, I grew up in Indiana, and, I, and that's like, that's nothing. That's absolutely nothing. That, I mean, we walked to school in that with no problem whatsoever. And the whole town shut down except for the movie theater. And I was like, well, I got nothing else to do. I might as well go see a movie. What's playing? Astro Boy. Eh, why not? It's only a $2 theater. So I walked over. I am the only person in this theater. And not only did I enjoy the fact that I was by myself, it was a really good movie. And I was just really upset that it bombed. I know. I mean, like I said, to me, what really matters is critical reception, not box office. I mean, that's what it's supposed. That's what film's supposed to be about, really. Or fan reception, because sometimes critics are a little too snooty for their own good. I know, honestly, and sometimes fans, especially the hardcore fanboys, uh, they tend to kind of annoy me. They strangle I, the freedom of a, of a character sometimes. I know. Now, I do want to say the character design here. Looking at the father, he looks like a rooster. <laughs> I know, and here he is. Here's his son. Give him an idea. A child robot. Oh my gosh, that could work. And they're always, I mean, the di- I mean, I'm watching it with Japanese uh, dialogue, so it's a much more intense. I love his mustache and afro. It just uh, has so much character. Actually, a lot of these have really uh, wild character designs. I mean, look at that goatee. That's insane. That guy actually, yeah, he looks like a rooster. <laughs> I know, I mean, his face. Oh, it's like, oh, hey, Dad. It's like, I didn't mean to yell you. Shit, it's, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's I'm weird. Sorry. It's like they designed every single character. Like, even their facial hair, their, their the hair on their heads, their clothes have so much character. They put a lot of care into these. Oh, I know. I mean, just like character design. Everybody's like, everybody themselves has their own unique shape. This reminds me of some other cartoon that we've watched. I wonder who the designer is on this, because it looks very familiar. Mm-hmm. I know, plus this is supposed to be the year 2000, or at least in the original cartoon, yes. However, we don't have any flying cars. We don't have anything as cool as this. No. Like a cleaner pol- it's a cleaner and polished version of Blade Runner. <laughs> yeah, and that was slow and depressing. I am not a huge fan of Blade Runner. I know people worship the ground that walks on, but I've always fallen asleep. Just like, oh, it looks beautiful, but boring. How, how old is this child? He's driving. Well, in the future. Oh, wait, a, maybe they have oh, that a kid cannot possibly drive in a future. Oh, okay. Oh, my gosh. The funny thing is, Astro Boy has gone on. Horrible. So he's originally called Mighty Adam, but they, they changed it for Astro Boy when they, it came to America. It's amazing how long this character has lasted, yet for some reason it just really never took off in America. So, you know, the movie, uh, Imagi produced it and summit released it now it didn't really hurt summit because they only paid like a licensing fee like you know 50 percent or less yeah. but uh imagine went out of business and that's horribly depressing oh it is plus it is i mean this, look at him he's adorable an adorable child who happens to be a reckless driver of course he shouldn't have been driving in the first place no i don't recall like yeah like I, I thought the robot did all the work yeah oh no i'm listening to his wish this is such a sad moment, too. I mean, this is really horrible. Gosh, a little kid on his deathbed. Yeah, you know what? That took a lot of guts to kill off the kid. I, that's something that I don't, I'm stunned that was even allowed back then. I know. I mean, heck, even in 1963. Oh. Okay, so you're talking, talking about the 60s series and why you couldn't get into it. What, what did you feel? Like, you know, for me, I mean, you know, it just seemed kind of... You know, a bit 
goofy, I guess, because of the dialogue and the way, you know, how animated movies were treated back then. Right. In the 60s, you know, they're of their time. Hardly anything really stands up uh, without some sort of level of, oh, that's retro, or that's cheesy. You know, a Dirty Dozen holds up, uh, Magnificent Seven yeah. holds up, but there's things like the James Wild Bunch. Okay, okay the James Bond movies, uh, they're amazing. I love watching them, but they're obviously a product of their time. They, they reek of the 60s, and that's what we love about them. Yep. Nostalgia. Here, the father seems... Uh, like less of an obvious mad scientist than he did in 1963. You know, in 1963, he was like, you know, contemplating, like, you know, now that his son was dead and taken away from him, all of a sudden he's like, yes, I'll create a mental robot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right, so the, uh, just like, the, the main director on this. Guy, oh, go ahead. I'm like, this is a guy you cannot, you know, appreciate or like. Well, yeah, we get it. You love your son, but you're going insane. Here, it's more of a subtle insanity. Like, you know, he's really dedicated to, you know, bringing his son back to life in robotic form. It's out of that desperation, that depression and sadness that makes you do something. And that's not a, a, a new idea. They may have been the originators of that concept, but we've seen it a ton of times in movies where it's like a Frankenstein effect where they just can't stand the loss of a loved one, so they go to extreme measures to bring them back, and it usually goes awry. Pet cemetery, anybody? <laughs> oh, yes. All right, so yeah, yeah. the production company that did Astro Boy, uh, Tezuka Productions, I really wish I knew more anime, but they uh, I'm trying to even recognize a single title that they were responsible for here. But yeah, they just basically did Astro Boy. Um, the, the director of this, he did Spaceship Yamamoto. I, could, I, don't, I don't recognize any of these. I really wish I was more educated in this kind of stuff. It's probably someone that knows anime like the back of their hand. Oh, I know plenty of people like that. But for me, really, anime, as far as it went, was like, you know, Hayao Miyazaki, or some, you know, Astro Boy, Gundam, Dragon Ball Z. Oh, gosh. Uh, Evangelion, mainly to do with giant robots. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Like I said, the only thing I ever watched, I don't know if you and I had this discussion already, but it was uh, Appleseed. I discovered Appleseed in college, and that was the first thing I ever saw of that style, and I was just blown away by it. But then there was other stuff that friends would show me. I... What's the dirty? What's the dirty one again called? The dirty anime? Is it hentai or hentai? something? Yeah, that's horrifying. I don't think I could ever sit through that again. That was the kind of stuff that, like, fifteen minutes into it, I was like, "Nope, we're good. I don't want to watch anymore." It's weird. Yeah, it's, it's messed really up. weird. Ugh. Ninja Scroll and Ninja Resurrection, I think, were ones I like to watch too. And there was also like an animated version, like based off of the Magnificent Seven. Oh, that's cool. Well, wait. No, no, Magn not Magnificent Seven. Magnificent Seven is no, based on Samurai. Samurai. Yeah. Wait, what was that's the cartoon right. again? Uh, Samurai. Oh gosh. Samurai I know Seven, it's on. Right? I know it's on. I feel like I yeah. watched that. Yeah. Okay, so here we go. I want to say here this the musical number they use here was the same uh, number that they used in the original cartoon when they were creating Astro Boy when he was bringing him to life. I keep forgetting this, you know, operatic piece, whatever it's called, but it's used in almost every other epic build-up moment in cinematic history. Well, let me listen to it. Push the button. Oh, oh yeah. You know, from 2001, that's what it's from. Or I think it's from 2001. Yeah, yeah Space Odyssey. Maybe, maybe he, uh, he repurposed that, too. Yeah, and I'm pretty... Just like having that glow just be green or having him glow as he's coming to life was like pretty much a tribute to Frankenstein's creation. Yeah. Now he's slowly getting up. Do you say manga or manga? 
manga. Manga? Have I been saying it wrong this I whole time? I don't know. Oh. Uh, so yeah, this is originally based on the manga. Uh, it ran for a really long time for me not to even hear about it. It ran from 51 to 68, and then it would go on to like miniseries and repeated series. I remember uh, Now Comics ran a run of it for a little while, but Now Comics had always, had, always struggled. They always licensed comics, and they ran out of business pretty quickly. Mostly okay, known for Boy? Ghostbusters. What's that? Right. I said, with Astro Boy, when he's born, it's okay to drop him. He's a robot. <laughs> he won't feel any pain. Unless it's like a, you know, wrecking ball hitting him in the head. That would probably destroy him. Oh. Oh, this is such a sweet, sentimental moment. But, okay, so, like, so in the original cartoon, when he's, like, bringing him to life, you know, the years go by, like, you know, he's got his son back, but at the same time, it was very rational and just very ridiculous how they were handle how he was handling you know him not growing up or getting taller. Yeah. Because he's a robot, he's not organic. <laughs> I know it was just like quite silly. I'm like, oh my gosh! Like, do these people know anything of science fiction? Why does he never wear anything more than he looks like the Submariner? Namor. Pretty he, much. He dresses like Namor. Okay, okay. Here he's wearing proper clothing, but it's funny. Half the time he's just wearing skivvies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like his teeth are made of metal. He can't help it if he chews a fork, yeah. and that's what he does with the food. He just takes it out of his system and just <laughs> just zaps it. It's, it's incredibly uh, adorable. He's the cutest damn cartoon character I've ever seen. I know. Yet he's also a living weapon. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it's just strange how you know it's displaying the relationship between man and machine. I mean, he is. A robot, so I think what's revolutionary about him is that he's the first robot that's able to actually Assimilate. feel and think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was thinking... Assimilate you know, human behavior. Because all the robots, they look like robots. Whenever they do stuff like that... Have you ever seen a movie called Android? It's an old... Well, it's released by Roger Corman. It wasn't produced by Roger Corman. You ever heard of I'll that have movie? i might remember it. I don't know. The guys but that... Here, can, yeah. No, go ahead. I mean, plus he's like fully synthetic. I mean, robot. I mean, in real life, I mean, there's. I'm not even sure there's a way to, at least in our lifetime, have robots develop any kind of human notions or consciousness. It's always just logic and com- computation, and I mean, no understanding, no true understanding of anything. Now, do you, is this the original character you think that explored what it would be like to be human? The first robot not to just be a robot. Yeah. It's kind of a cliche but now because you see it all the time. But well, I feel like Astro Boy was the first time that someone would, wanted to make a robot try to be human. Well, yeah, especially, you know, given the situa- this situation right here, he wanted to bring his, you know, son back to life. So, yes. And I think it also, I think it would also contend with, you know, the whole concept of Mega Man because that's what Mega Man is too. He's the first, you know, robot that can actually learn and develop and act like and think for itself rather than be programmed i think i like mega man a little bit better than astro boy i don't know why i mean it's because i um, should be a face-off yeah oh that'd be an awesome crossover they stay face off and then decide to back each other up in battle yeah coolest team up ever oh yeah oh man i know i'm pretty sure like fans i mean if well, if they re- ever, if Capcom ever decides to recreate Mega Man, at least have Astro Boy in as a special guest character, or like some kind of download, or have that be the plot. You know, there's yeah. like, you know, 
temporal interference and it crosses over between two worlds and now they're off at each other so it's like you know who knows you know the reason I, think... the reason i brought up that movie android um is because it feels a lot of like spiritually it feels a lot like astro boy it's just what if astro boy was a grown-up and he no longer wanted to really understand the basics of human uh, life now he wanted to understand like romantic love it's a pretty good movie. Oh. You can find it on YouTube. Uh, it's severely out of print. But the guys who created Critters, they uh, they did that movie first. And they did it like, for a shoestring budget. And it's a really touching movie, even though it's really low budget. Okay, who is this? Uh, it's it's Nuclear Man. <laughs> as a child. <laughs> oh my god, that's awful. That's awful. That's perfect, though. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, well, then again, he's like the surfer. He's the Californian child. What's up, I mean, dude? Look at that. Blonde hair, tanned, you know, brown. He looks like a little surfer boy. Wow. And now he's being called Atlas. That makes sense. The That's ruler a... of the earth. <laughs> it looks like his head's about to take off. It's so magnificently winged. I know. It's like it's going to just turn into wings. As it... that, That's his motive. That's how he flies. He doesn't maybe, have rocket Yeah, maybe his, his head's a transformer. The... Yeah. Oh, look, a French maid. He really does. Now that I think about Superman 4, yeah. That's funny. And now similar. he's just... Well, I remember correctly, wasn't there an evil Mega Man? Uh, Proto Man, yeah. Proto Man, that's right. There it is. I think the thing is with uh, Astro Boy, he was implanted with this... Um, as far as I know, why he is the way he is, because there's this uh, prototype uh, alpha chip, which is able to you know, make him think and act like a, like a human. Uh, oh, oh God! God I, I love the design of the ships and weaponry in a lot of these movies, or a lot of these cartoons. I, you kind of think this would have to be some kind of influence that Steven Spielberg had when he was coming up with the uh, idea for AI. Oh, of course, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh no! Now they're all debating. Oh wait! Yeah, should I stay or should I go? Grab him with the claw. <laughs> nope. They push too many buttons. They piss off the computer, and now the tank is going haywire. Why are they writing in a tank? Is that really necessary? <laughs> oh, jeez. That's silly. That was silly. But yes, anyway, that was the... Um, so that's basically, you know, Alpha, Omega. That's how it is between, you know, Atlas and that relationship. And What I love about mythology Atlas. of comic books and cartoons, it seems like a lot of the great heroes... Of course, they're, it's a cliche. They're divined by their villains... But I love it when a, a hero will have the exact opposite, like Reverse Flash or Bizarro or Proto Man. And here he has Atlas. I love it when they have someone that's like very similar, but something twisted about it. So they seem similar in one fashion, but the exact opposites in another, like Venom and Spider Man. Pretty much, yeah, I know. I like seeing that too. It's like the, you know, that's probably how the hero would have been if they chose another path. Right. One thing had gone but wrong, one decision they had chosen differently. Would have changed who they are. Yeah. It's like what they inherited from, you know, their... Oh, jeez. People are getting burned a lot. How? Yeah, that's a kind of a dark cartoon. Maybe that's why it never really took off in America. I bet you the heartland, besides the fact that it's considered foreign product, um, you know... Then conservatives... Yeah. Been, are, they're too prudish. They're too prudish for anything. That's pretty much American culture. It's too prudy. Yeah, yeah well, no, I was just thinking. Up. I was just thinking the fact that it's really a lot of action that has huge risk. I and mean, you know, the cartoons we watched back then, 
like G.I. Joe. Yes, there was explosions and stuff like that, but everybody escaped in a parachute, so there was no real consequence. What does that teach kids? Oh, gosh, yeah. There's probably more to learn from one episode of Astro Boy than a whole season of G.I. Joe when it comes to that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. That and plus, I mean, he's just so cute. How can you just like him? <laughs> How can you not like him? Look at that. Uh-oh. Has there ever been a toy line of Astro Boy? I don't recall anything. Yes, my little brother actually had an action figure of Astro Boy. I mean, he had, like, you know, his arms would come off and he'd, you know, shoot, shoot his little glowing lasers and whatnot. Really? That's cool. Yeah, yeah, there's, there we are, the butt cannon. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I mean, it makes sense for, like, you know, rear protection, but that's taking it a little too far. That's weird. Why didn't I just shoot him out of, like, his knees? I don't know. Uh,. I remember there was a He-Man character where he had guns on his knees, which I thought was insanely silly. Like, he'd pop out his knee. Like, he was a robot, I think. And he'd take his kneecap out, and there was a gun there. It's the weirdest thing. Blast door or something uh, like that. Something silly. But I do want to say... I, this I wanted to say earlier, since you mentioned the, you know, Astro Boy movie. I mean, one of, of course, Freddie Highmore was Astro Boy. And Nicolas Cage was his dad. And after watching the 1960s cartoon and how he acted, I... Honestly, I understand why the casting, the uh, voice casting director chose Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Don't you wish he had gone a little more bonkers in the cartoon now? Yeah, I kind of wish he did go a little crazy in the movie, like you know, like how he did in Vampire's Kiss. I can just imagine that right now. I'm gonna create my son as a robot. But yeah, no. Now the dog's accepting that this is, you know, not physically. And or you know organically Tobio, but it is you know he's accepting him, he's liking him, he's loving him. It's slowly you know this robot's slowly growing on the dog. And now look here's Atlas. Back to that look at that gosh man, if his hair was green he'd be an Oompa Loompa. <laughs> he should probably put on some uh, sunblock. He's getting a little too robust there. I know. It's like why did he have to be so orange? You think this could be ch- oh my gosh this could be John Boehner's child. Child. <laughs> Yeah, no, because, I mean, his creator is calling him Devil's Child or something like that in the original Japanese cartoon. Really? Is it because he's that evil? I have, that's weird. Yeah. Oh, I know. All right, so that's the it, uh, end of Astro Boy. Basically, the rest of this is next on Astro Boy. So, um, yeah, that was kind of, that was fun. I mean, I think it takes me a little more, I think some more episodes for me to really get into this. Because there's some stuff that automatically I see and I'm like, oh, I got to watch this again. Astro Boy, you know, it has a huge following for a reason, but it still seems kind of alien to me, like something I'm just not uh, not completely into yet. But, you know, I love the movie. So, I mean, there's got to be something that I can find in the cartoons that I found that I loved just the same. Yeah, and when I watched the, um, when I watched the uh, actual animated movie, I thought it really stayed true to, the, like, you know, to the core origin but you can feel, uh, uh, there's a British company, actually I think the director is British, Chris Wedge I think is the director, I could be wrong about that, um, but there's a British feel to the humor. So yes, it has the Japanese action, awesome, awesome action, but a lot of the humor is very British. Yeah, it is. I mean, I feel like I, I'm watching like a little t- a toned down version of Monty Python and you know Benny Hill. Yeah, the robots just <laughs> killed me though, they're so funny. Minus the fast-forwarding motion, you know. I would like to see Astro Boy do that or be in that kind of situation. 
That'd be cute. That'd be funny. All right, so we're going to take a brief break, and we're going to have a little commercial break, and then we're going to come back with Challenge of the GoBots. Yes. Now a word from our sponsor. Hey, nice shirt. Gee, thanks. Say, that's a nice coffee mug, too. Well, I sure like it. You want to clue me in on where you got them? Sure thing. Just visit jibetsko.com. Swell. Hey, how do you spell that? Why, it's G-I-M-E-T-Z-C-O dot com. Now, back to the show. Back to Back in Tunes. We just watched uh, Astro Boy. Next, we're going to watch Challenge of the Gobots. Episode 1 is up on YouTube. Go ahead and hit play now. There we go. Well, this is definitely a fun introduction. Yeah, it's pretty epic. It's uh, it's definitely of the 80s. There's so many horns, almost like a disco-y horn thing going on in the 80s. Like, every cartoon had this huge, epic score. Yeah, it did. Like trumpets sounding, no battles. I wouldn't be see, be surprised if the guy who did the theme song for GoBots also did uh, what's that Wild World of, you know, the one where they went to all over the country, National Geographic kind of thing. I can't remember. There was some show in the eighties. They always like traveled the world and like show all these animals and stuff like that. I can't remember the name of it now. Jack Anna's Animals Adventure. Yeah. That I remember. Maybe but... that. Yeah. All right. So. Okay. So are you at the the opening where the spaceship they're showing the outer space? Uh, yeah, I'm actually I'm watching the yeah the beginning of the episode right now. Okay, yeah. just make sure because I played the theme song, but you hadn't played it yet. Okay, this woman. Okay, you can tell this woman's evil. Just listen to her laugh like that. Oh, of course, that's one of the most hideous voices for a woman ever. Like the second you hear it, you're like, oh, pure evil. Like she makes evil Lynn look like a nun. <laughs> okay, uh, I do want to say here, like it's definitely like a, easily a. You know, Transformers setup, but the opposite. It's like, you know, the Autobots are in control and winning, and this guy just kind of being a douche and just wanting to, you know, be evil. Yeah, GoBots actually existed before the Transformers, oddly enough. They started the whole robot transforming trend. Like, you know, uh, like, oh, wow. I think about a year before Transformers took off, GoBots were the first to do it. You know, and, and you could tell yeah. that GoBots were... They were lower priced. I couldn't really afford Transformers. I had a couple of them, but for the most part, I had GoBots. And you can tell by their design, whoever they hired just did it kind of on the cheap. Because, and even in the animation when they transformed, guess what? They actually look like that. They had very obvious heads. There wasn't really any complication to their design. Whereas Transformers, the cartoon, the designs were fairly spot on, but there's some differences just to give the animators more to do. You know, giving them heads that actually moved around and stuff like that instead of being part of the front of the car. The articulation was better on Transformers, even though GoBots was first and kind of set up the whole, that kind of cartoon and toy line. uh, Transformers is far superior. That guy kind of sounds like Adam West. Uh, Guardian 1, the the leader. Yeah, you know, I'm going to look up the voice actors here in a little bit. 
But um, yeah. I, I remember my very first GoBot, I actually got at Wendy's. They had a deal where, you know, you bought the Happy Meal or whatever, and you got a GoBot with it. And I got a few of those, but then I discovered Transformers, and I was like, oh, no, these are amazing. But, of course, Transformers yeah. broke easy, too, if you transformed them too wrong, you know, too uh, aggressively, and it went wrong. Yeah, I know, they could snap and break in half. I think, no, actually, no, I never had that problem, because I guess the joints could be inserted back in easily. So, thankfully, you know, yeah. being a child of the 90s, I had simpler solutions. Uh, GoBots, you know, they <laughs> and, were... Um, Go ahead. I will say, yeah, this villain... I want to say this main villain does not look as menacing as, you know, Megatron does. Oh, no, all the character designs are pretty weak. Um... You know, I, I wish I could stop saying um. It's driving me nuts. The thing about, I think the difference is the fact that it's an American cartoon. Hanna-Barbera is involved in this one, so it has their whole style. They weren't known for keen design during the 80s. They had clever cartoons, and they're pretty entertaining. So I'm not going to say this is boring in any way whatsoever. But Transformers, they had great design, great voice actors. And the storylines, it built a universe. Really, like, the mythology of Transformers was so much stronger than GoBots. That and, you know, Transformers got, what, four movie deals? You're talking live action, right? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Is the company, Tonka, that created <laughs> GoBots, they went out of business. And then Hasbro bought them. And knowing that it's a competing line, they basically buried the GoBots. In fact, you couldn't even find the cartoon forever and you know, until just recently where they started doing, uh, I think Warner Archive does them. But uh, there was a, a line for a very short period of time in the mid-90s. It was Transformers, but it was called the GoBots, where it was like the characters that we know and love in Transformers, like Bumblebee and stuff, but of simpler designs. And I think they were like, you pull back on them and they go. So yeah, technically they had the name GoBots, but they don't own the toy design. No, they don't. That always has to go to someone else. Therefore, they cannot do anything. But I do want to say earlier when Scooter said uh, the captain, the Federation leader, well, I guess they're not. At this time, shooting lasers at us doesn't mean means that they're to rock. Like, congratulations, Scooter! You've been promoted to captain. Obvious. Yeah, I, I cannot stand that character. I can't stand that voice. Uh, there's only a couple characters. I think it was Frank Welker that did that voice. But he would do it in the Punky Brewster cartoon or Bungie. And I would love it when they talk like this. But and for some reason, GoBots, I just want to strangle that character. Just choke him. Choke him out. Yeah, he does. He seems like a, he seems like a bit of a goofball. I mean, just earlier, he's just like uh, like when it came to taking out you know the evil GoBots, the bad guys. Right. He just said, pretty much like, uh, tonight, I'm going to bring a little hostel. How much to just backhand him and say, like, don't question me. We've got to get this done now. Nip it in the butt before it becomes an epidemic. You don't get it, Scooter. <laughs> so the company that created this is Bandai. It was called Machine Robo. Bandai. Yeah, they, they uh, called it Machine Robo in Japan. But then when Tonka licensed it, that's when they changed it to GoBots. But, like I said, they didn't own the designs. They only owned the distribution rights and the ability to turn it into a uh, cartoon and movies. Yes. Oh, okay. I went and saw the movie, Battle of the Rock Lords, that came out like a year after uh, the cartoon ended, and it was awful. At the time, I thought it was okay, but I tried watching it again recently, and oh, it hurts so bad. The Transformers movie is so, so awesome. The GoBots movie hurts. It hurts inside. 
And I remember Ouch. asking my father to take me to this, and he, uh, to this day, well, to whatever day I last spoke to him, uh, he said it was just god-awful crap, and he always remembers it just being truly hideous garbage. And we almost didn't go and watch uh, the Masters of the Universe movie, the Dolph Lundgren one, yeah, because of GoBots. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this about, um, you know, experiences like that, you know, seeing something as a kid, and you were just absolutely ecstatic. I saw um, Power Rangers Turbo. I thought it was the most awesome thing ever. And then now, watching it, as, or, you know, just, you know, browsing through the channels, just watching a few minutes of it, yeah. I'm just like, oh, gosh, why did I like this did so much? Did you like the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie? You know, the one, the one before that? Yeah, the one, the one like three years before that. Oh, as a kid, oh, God, I loved it. I remember thinking it wasn't too bad, but yeah, I never saw Turbo. What, uh, you think they're ever going to reboot that? You know, uh, the Power Rangers is more serious. You know, you've watched that short film, right? I did, and I, I'm sorry. It's just, I could not take it seriously. I'm just like, I could not be affected by it. I thought I was, they tried a little too hard in so many areas, and I just couldn't help but be like, what am I watching? <laughs> really? Power Rangers? They can't be taken seriously. Come on. Machine Empire? Sheesh. And then Rita, you know, showing up at the end all horned and evil. I'm like, oh, gosh. And then, uh, you know, Jason David Frank, you know, gave his, like, input on it, thought it wasn't that good. And considering how dark and brutal it was and just how crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of I kind of agree with him that, and I thought it was just dumb. Especially with, you know, Zach, you know, being, uh, you know, the... <laughs> just, just uh, I, I just can't help but think it was just all stupid. Yeah. I'm so, uh, anyway, getting off track here. Uh, so GoBots, you know, the funny thing is Transformers, the comic book was very well known. It was massive success over in the UK, and it did really well here. It made it to 75 issues before it ended, and then it would like, you know, it bring it would come back every couple of years with a new limited series or you know a short run series. But the GoBots, they never had a comic book, which it really surprises me. There, there was a British strip, like it was in the Sunday papers, but that's not the same. Right. I didn't know this, that Hasbro uh, renewed their contract for distribution of motion pictures and television programs with that name. Oh. I wonder if they're going to bring it into GoBot, or GoBots into Transformers. You know, eventually the yeah, Transformers like... movie is going to wear out. There's not a whole lot more to explore, at least not within the known mythology. They're going to have to make up stuff. Especially with Michael Bay at the helm. Oh, please, please, someone else step in. But, you know, the one with Mark Wahlberg actually wasn't that bad. I wasn't that miserable. It's really the second one that just made me uh, so mad. But it is time for someone else to come in and make a Transformers movie that's under two hours. Seriously, why do we need so yes, Why are they so long? Yeah, that and Shia LaBeouf actually regrets doing those movies. Well, I'm sure he regrets a lot of things, but he's refusing to admit those most recent but actions. As far, right, yes. But as far as acting goes, yes, that, you mean he just was not, he's just like uh, annoyed by the whole thing, especially looking back on you know, being the, the kind of character that he portrayed was just, you know, ridiculous and dumb and just nothing but frat boy humor. And um, also, as far as it goes for, like, a Transformers movie, it's like, Steven Spielberg, I mean, if they don't reboot Indiana Jones anytime soon, could you please take over? You're a producer. Or find someone you know, else that can handle it. special effects. How about, uh, how, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of someone. Who, uh, who did Mouse Hunt? You know, uh, he did the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, you know? Borbinski? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, he used to work for Spielberg, so why don't they bring him in? That would be a pretty good idea. Gore Verbinski also, he, um, I think he's, they're going to be doing another Pirates movie that's going to be coming out next year, part five. Yeah. Yeah, I know, it's like, that needs to go too. But it's Johnny Depp, and everybody still loves Johnny Depp, he's still relevant to everybody. Do it, does he? Because I've been watching his movies lately, Tank. Like Mordecai, yes, I heard it was bad. <laughs> All right, so, so uh, one thing I should say is significant about GoBots is that the main director, the supervisor of all of this, is a legend, Ray Patterson. Ray Patterson was in the industry for so long that he actually basically was there at the very beginning of animation. He worked on the old Crazy Cat cartoons. He worked for Disney. He worked on Dumbo, Fantasia, the Pluto, short, uh, the Pluto shorts. And, you know, he went to MGM. He did a bunch of cartoons there. And then, of course, you know, the theatrical animation started to die off, so he started doing television. But it's just amazing that he was there at the very early stages of animation and took it straight into the 80s. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to, honestly, if you're going to have a big name like that, you know, at the helm of your cartoons, you got to have faith in it. I mean, yeah, Hanna-Barbera, those aren't names you sneeze at, but to have someone actually in there every day working on it, that's amazing. Yeah. Did you know that uh, Phil Hartman did voice work for this cartoon? Who did he play? I'm not sure. It doesn't say on IMDb or on uh, Wikipedia. I have to look it up. But I keep seeing his name pop up in cartoons around this time. So that must be how he paid his way before Saturday Night Live came along. Probably, yeah. He was doing, and uh, of course, let's not forget Pee Wee Herman. No, of course not. Well, that's the Groundlings is where he started at, and I guess he would just supplement with voice work. Okay. So what we have here, we have Frank Welker, of course, he's Scooter, Blaster, and a bunch of other characters. Uh, Rene Aubergianis, who was from Star Trek. I mostly know him from Benson. He did Dr. Braxis. I knew that was his voice. Peter Cullen. We all know who Peter Cullen is. He actually did voices for this, so he was actually playing both sides of the robot field. <laughs> uh, that's pretty cool. But as far as I can tell, I mean, I know I recognize Frank Welker. I mean, Frank Welker's done... He's, Still doing stuff to this day. Right, like 90% but, of the cartoons that we cover have him in there. Oh, I know. And like some of the games that I'm playing, too, it's like I can hear his voice. Like he'll be the voice. I think he's also the voice of Bane and Injustice in some of the other animated movies. I could be wrong. Not only, I'm thinking of Fred Tatashior. I am completely wrong. I'm an idiot. Sorry. It's okay. But Frank Welker, where else have I heard? What else is he in besides this? Uh, I'd have to look at it. Give me a sec. I'm trying to find someone else's voice. Okay, so I you think know... He was, Pretty here's, sure he was in Beast Wars. Here's the thing: is I was so certain that Psykill was voiced by what's a Dean from Animal House? You know, your fat, loser, and stupid. Dean Vernon. Yeah, I thought that was him. I so thought that was him, and I looked it up. It's not, and I was just like, that. Wow, I, I guess that completely wrong. Frank Welker is mostly known for doing Fred Jones on Scooby Doo, Megatron, Transformers, Jabberjaw, Inspector uh, Gadget. You know, he did Doctor Claw. Doctor Claw. That's the worst voice I've ever. Inspector Gadget. That hurts. I don't know how he does these voices. That that actually sucked a little bit doing that. <laughs> lots of water, lots and lots of fluids, and honey. It really helps. <laughs> Put the lotion in the basket. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. <laughs> See, that got weird. That got weird. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> okay, yes, now I remember. Okay, yes, uh, Scooby-Doo, uh, yeah, and Iceman in Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. 
All right, so challenge of the GoBots, you know, it lasted one year, and I don't know. It hasn't aged exactly well. It aged better than the movie did. That movie just hurts inside. Uh, the funny thing is, they actually got people to show up for the movie. Uh, I remember Margot Kidder was there, Roddy McDowell, who I worship the ground that he walks on, or did walk on. Oh, yes. Hey, rest in peace. Roddy McDowell, Planet of the Apes legend. Uh, I mostly knew him for uh, Fright Night, but... Then I discovered uh, Planet of the Apes soon afterwards. But he would pop in and out of all these cool TV shows. They'll allow him to look back on them and say you're kind of cheesy. But, yeah. you know, he did some voice work here and there. But, okay, so we have, uh, I'm looking at the movie. Margot Kidder, Telly Savalas, Roddy McDowell, Michael Norrie. Uh, Michael Norrie was a name at the time. He's not really a name now. But he was the villain in the very first Flash episode. The old Flash from the 90s. From the 90s? Yeah. Okay. Just like Mark Hamill was a trickster. Uh, Ooh, it, and he's gonna he's gonna be reprising his role. He's I know, right? Trickster. Okay, is it me? Did I did I read it wrong? Is uh oh crap! I, I hate when I have amnesia. It makes it seem so stupid. A Smallville. Tom Welling is he coming back as Superman on the Flash? I don't know. I'm not. Uh, I'm not sure if he's even going to be coming back in uh, in a Supergirl either. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. But I do want to say, <laughs> I mean, how how come in every cartoon that security guards always have to be dumb? Yeah, you know, maybe it's because they're security guards. They weren't good enough to be cops. I don't know. Yeah, it's like, I mean, it's like, have you seen any robots around? And then Scooter clearly, you know, gives himself away. How oh, very funny. And then the guy's just like, what? <laughs> the catalog for a lot of these movies is kind of lost. Uh, there's a company called Atlantic. They, they didn't really have a whole lot of hits. I think Valley Girl was their big first, like, oh, they're someone to contend with. They had Teen Wolf and a couple others. But they did a bunch of animated movies, and they released them under uh, Clubhouse Pictures. And to this day, I still remember the logo of the tree popping up. And they did uh, the Smurfs and the Magic Flute, which I've seen so many times. Right. It's ridiculous. Uh, the He-Man and She-Ra movie, the Here Comes the Littles. The Adventures of Mark Twain, which is Claymation. Will Vinton did it. It's kind of twisted. And uh, Oh, The Adventures of American Rabbit. Okay, so I had a book for Adventures of American Rabbit, but I never saw the movie. It just didn't come anywhere near where we lived. And Heathcliff the movie, and then of course capping it all off was GoBots. Right, but I I just wanted to say something about this. Uh, basically, the NASA director, he uh, turns out he's siding with you know the renegade bots, and he sounds like he's singing almost all of his dialogue. Here you go, psycho. <laughs> I'm like, That's right. he's basically a Paul Lynn. Hello, Paul Lynn here. Pretty much, yeah. It's like, I guess, I mean, I guess they would also kind of set the standard for, you know, certain films like that to, you know, always have to sing their dialogue. I mean, heck, Elvis was able to do it. <laughs> well, at least he should have because, you know, he wasn't that great of an actor. I mean, he is the king of rock and roll, but come on. I know. But yeah. Some people, and, I, I, I love Elvis, but yeah, he was not exactly the best actor. But his movies are fun. Yeah. Oh, of course, yes. But now, okay, and then as you mentioned, you know, Hanna-Barbera was behind this, too. I mean, it was kind of hard to, you know, for me, it was kind of hard to figure out. I mean, I had no idea, nor did I know of this cartoon. I mean, I strictly just knew Transformers. I thought it was by, you know, the same animation studios as Transformers. But seeing how, like, if they were to work in GoBots with, like, a modern film adaptation Mm -hmm. with Transformers, they'd have to have, at least have them make, like, a, you know, like a Black Ops kind of, you know, or, you know, Intel gathering division so i'm gonna to have to admit, kind, of like the, kind of like young justice i accidentally closed mine so i have no idea where we're at <laughs> oh for me the cartoon uh, you know it, it just ended 
Oh, it just ended. Okay, thank you. Because I accidentally I I shut it down. I was like, I crap, uh, and I'm just gonna pretend like I know what's going on. <laughs> Whoops. That's all good. All right. Yeah, so, they've got to be. Some, go ahead. Yeah, they've got to be some kind of tactical division, you know, <clears throat> like in like with Young Justice. You know, for the Justice League, and then there's Young Justice. It's like that's You're what right. the GoBots can be. Yeah, the GoBots are like, say, take this, say the GoBots, because apparently the GoBots exist in an alternate reality. An alternate world of the same universe. So say this: say the Gobots, if they reconfigured the whole mythology, the Gobots are kind of like beginner robots. They're like the children robots of the Transformers. That's the only real way I can really think. Like yeah, they're like the simpler versions, and maybe as they—I mean—they are built right. They're not born. How are Transformers created in the first place? I know it's pretty weird. It's like they were born in these little robots. Do they have parents? Really delved into that. They never really delved into that into the movies either. Do they have a machine then, that just has a, well, it's time to make some more robots, and you just manufacture them, they put them in some sort no, of machine? No, it's not like aliens, but there's just, just one queen, and she's giving birth to these, like, you know, facehugger eggs. I don't know. I mean, they have proper emotions. They feel pain. They seem to be living metal. Yeah. Do they poop? It's, uh, no, I they, don't know. They, just, they burn it through you know exhaust, they burn right? It. Yeah, they exhaust. Wow, I never even like, contemplated this before. How are they created? Why is their they... exhaust harmful? I'm wondering if their exhaust is harmful in the environment. Oh my gosh. <gasps> maybe, or maybe it purifies the environment. Maybe, maybe it's because the planet. They have... yeah. hmm. <laughs> I can't believe we hit a dead right. stop with this. This is something I'm going to be Probably contemplating for a while. So maybe maybe the planet itself makes them. They just like, it unearths them. Like it just barfs them out. It's bleh, bleh. And all of a sudden I'm. I don't, I don't know. Wow. There has to be but a now, story. Someone has to have thought of this. Well, as far as it goes, I mean, Cybertron was pretty much destroyed in part three. I don't even know why they even say. I'm not even sure how they were able to make a part four. That just seemed ridiculous. I mean, it's like, what? Cybertron's destroyed. You pretty much destroyed, the, you know, almost all the Transformer race. I mean, all that's left are, you know, some are floating around in space colonies. Hmm. But it's, oh, gosh, the way they try to drag it out, it's just so thin. Why is it seriously? Why are they three three and a half hour movies? Why? I, I just don't understand why Michael Bay tortures us so much with these movies. It's just like make them an hour and forty five minutes. Wrap it up. I know, honestly, like if if they do introduce GoBots in there, or come out with another Transformers movies, and like you know, take the idea of putting the GoBots as you know, like a like a little subdivision. Please, Michael Bay, like Kanye West, sit down. <laughs> Shut up. All right, so I think that's it for us here. Wow, we hit a moment where we just like really contemplate. If anybody knows the answer to how Transformers are created, please let us know. Because, I mean, do they have apartments? Where do they live? Do they have like apartments they live in, or do they just store themselves? I'm just like shut it's down. Not like they reproduce like Gazoo does and Flintstones. Do they have TV? Do Transformers have their own entertainment? Do they read books? I know. How does exactly. this work? It's, what is their strange. normal life like? They're these strange synthetic organisms. Oh my god. I'm not, not going to sleep. I'm not going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have trouble with that, I can help you. All right, everybody. Thank you for sitting through. <laughs> well, I don't know. That, that episode kind of fell apart, but for a good reason. Um, thank you, everybody, for all your support. I can't believe some of the episodes we've had lately. We are getting bigger numbers than I ever thought even possible. Uh, and I hope the trend continues. I hope we keep bringing what you want to listen to. If you have any comments, any suggestions for a better show, anything you want to add to the show, or even suggest a double feature, because that's what we're going to be doing now, just double features, 
you have an idea, send it to us through our Facebook page, Retro Rocket Entertainment. Uh, we're also on retrorocketentertainment.weebly.com. You can find all of our podcasts. You can find our email. Just let us know how we're doing. We love you guys. And uh, be excellent to each other. This is Michael signing off. This is Jacob. Be sure to tip your waitress. Namaste and good luck. Good night. With a view to wait.